0: Are playing with four guards, and the four guards out there, along with Cedric, are their best free throw shooters. Clark in a straight check. Oh, he need to do that. He threw it away. In with Denise. Goal! Thurman leads. Timeout, Virginia. Did we just see what we think we just saw? Wow. No good. Arizona with a prayer that a princeton brow well,
1: Some burnt toast on the old bracket, the upset right there. (laughs) Princeton over Arizona, Furman over Virginia. Those were the two big ones as we got day one of the NCAA tournament underway yesterday. And no matter what happens, the rest of the tournament, Jake, two of these four teams are going to make the Sweet 16. Princeton, Furman, Missouri, or San Diego State. Like, imagine telling somebody that, you know told you 24 hours ago but that is the beautiful part of this month and this tournament
2: it's madness that's the whole point right and you know I mean there were big there was big news yesterday around the city in the world of sports obviously big news from the Colts big news last night from the Pacers but yet the opening round of the NCAA tournament is always center stage it's always the most fun everything from schools that you previously were unfamiliar with, like Furman, to schools that you've always known about but never athletically, like Princeton, to the band director at Northern Kentucky going viral for leading the Northern Kentucky band in Blink-182 and going crazy over it in his moment. That's the beauty of it all, man. The beauty of it all. And... Who doesn't love it?
1: Yeah, you know, so much it could boil down just to that Virginia Furman finish, Jake. You know, for those unfamiliar, you know, I tweeted out right after all of that happened, the turnover by Virginia, which led to the game-winning three by Furman, was made by Kia Clark. KiA Clark has played in 160 college basketball games. You know, if you were to make a list, Jake, of people you would trust in that moment, out of all 68 teams, he probably would have been close to the top of that list. He is the guy that, and apologies to Purdue fans up front, Jakey's the one that threw the pass to the Diaquite guy that forced the game into overtime against Purdue five years ago in the Elite Eight as a freshman. And so you've put a guy in that position who Tony Bennett, I would guess, trusts, undoubtedly, they, they, they still had a timeout. They had a guy wide open, you know, in front of the Furman bench. They could have done a lot of things. He makes that turnover, and then the Furman guard who ends up with it, J.P. Pegas, Jake, he had missed 15 straight three-pointers. 15 straight misses from behind the arc, and he made – like that right there sums up March. A guy that is a fifth-year senior has played 160 games that you would trust unquestionably in that moment – he makes one of the dumbest passes you'll ever see in the NCAA tournament and the kid for Furman that's clanked fifteen straight threes just rise confidently, bang, and Furman now moves on. You and remember
3: when Jacoby Myers threw that pass in the Raiders
2: yeah, Patriots game? Sure. I got
3: shades of that a sec- the second that happened. How about Jacoby Myers going to the Raiders? Yeah. You know? It's kinda of funny. Kind of ironic.
2: If you look last night at the game here here are the games that took place yesterday. And good morning to you, by the way. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Jay Quarry along with Kevin Bowen. Kevin is decked out in his Celtic green, it's a rugby, right? Rugby shirt? Yeah, my uncle brought this over from it's Ireland. Very, it's very cool. About a decade ago. It is uh, one of the
1: ugliest St. Patrick's Days weatherwise you'll ever oh, see. Oh, it's
2: brutal. I I feel bad for the kids that love the St. Patrick's Day parade. It's 40 and raining out. It's like the worst possible And it's convo. one of those
1: days where the temperature's
2: going down. Yeah. Like, it's going to be 30. It actually, you know what? It actually kind of looks like Ireland outside, right? Yeah.
1: Oh, it's such an ugly day for St. Patrick's Day. But yes, happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody out there. Uh,
2: Mark, you got on green? Yeah. Wearing my uh Oregon shirt. Okay, good. Mighty Oregon. Um but the scores that took place yesterday, there are always a game. There, there's always a game after round one where when you look at the scores, because there are 16 games that took place yesterday. You've got True TV, TBS, TNT, CBS, all running games concurrently. So there's always a game or two that afterwards you look at it and you're like. Wait a minute! I didn't. I had no idea that game was even going on. So let me read you real quick the matchups. You tell me. You guys stop me when I get to the game where you're like, "Wait, what? I didn't hear anything about that." Alabama over Texas A&M, Houston over Northern Kentucky, Kansas over Howard, Texas over Colgate, UCLA over UNC Asheville. That, by the way, Scotty had UNC Asheville. That's you your biggest blowout, right? Your biggest blowout right now. 33 is the benchmark for one of the prizes. That's probably the game,
1: Jake, if you want to stop. Part of it was because it was the last game of the night, right? I think it was, it was Yeah, That or
2: Penn it was, State, Texas a
3: Yeah, I was watching the end of Tennessee, and I saw that score in the corner, and I'm like, I don't need to stay up for that one. That, that one I can go to bed for.
2: Arizona over Princeton. Duke over Oral Roberts. Furman over Virginia. Penn Princeton State. Princeton over Arizona. I wish
1: it was Arizona over over Princeton.
2: Well, what did I say? Arizona over Princeton? Yeah. My, mm-hmm. my bad. Princeton over Arizona, obviously. Uh, Penn State over Texas A&M. San Diego State over Charleston. I saw none of that game. Oh, my that God. That was a good one.
3: Guys,
1: the Cinderella parlay. Did you guys see the end of that game by chance? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, Jake, Jake How All many? Right. How many did you need? Five and a half points. <laughs> Charleston is 63-57 down.
2: 57 the final. I,
1: I kid you not. And I, I hate to be that guy that's just going to moan here for the next two minutes about how bad of a beat it was, but... Please pity with me. Charleston's down four. They get the ball with like whatever, 10 seconds to go, 15 seconds to go. They throw one up on the rim, doesn't go in. Now it's kind of a scramble. At two different points, they could have gotten a jump ball called, and they would have kept possession. And theoretically there, it's you inbound the ball, four seconds to go, you chuck one up, the game's over. They call a foul as the buzzer sounds on Charleston, trying to go for an offensive rebound. It should have been a jump ball. So with point, they put point seven back on the clock. San Diego State kid walks down to the other end of the court, hits both free throws to win by six. I have Charleston at five and a half. <laughs> I'm sorry, a little I, bit different mood than last Friday for me.
2: Louisiana it? coming in. Yeah, wasn't uh-huh. Louisiana one of your upset? Which they, they they easily covered. Tennessee over Louisiana. Missouri over Utah State by 11. That was a game also. Another game I didn't really watch. Mid-afternoon game, I think. Mm -hmm. It was like, okay. Uh, Maryland over West Virginia. I thought West Virginia was going to win that game. Here's a game that I didn't see any of. Arkansas-Illinois. Did you?
1: Uh, Not really. Again, that was kind of... I feel like that was kind of an awkward time slot as well.
2: Auburn over Iowa and Northwestern over Boise State. That is round one. Also... Uh, And we'll talk plenty about that over the course of the morning. As a matter of fact, Voice of the Boilermakers, Rob Blackman, going to join us on the show today. We also have the Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, going to join us. Indiana in action. That's the late game tonight, taking on Kent State, and then it's Purdue and Fairleigh Dickinson uh, right around dinner hour. Kevin, big news over on West 56th Street also.
1: Big, yeah. You know, we kind of hinted at it yesterday. Gardner Minshew would be signed by the Colts. Uh, One-year deal for him. I think he checks a lot of the ideal backup bridge quarterback boxes that you're looking for Um, and then Paris Campbell off to the Giants that is a one-year deal heavy as you would expect heavy heavy injury incentives on that I think it's just a hair under five million guaranteed for Campbell he can make up to 6.7 million Uh, does not really make a lot of sense for me Jake Um, it's a spot you need help out anyways Um, I think he would have been helpful, and I think he would have been helpful, especially at that price. That that, that price, to me, is extremely manageable. And I think something, I guess two things about this move that's worth mentioning. Campbell is different than Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman. You need kind of that speed slot element to diversify that wide receiver room. That is a loss with Campbell, and if you look at the wide receivers in free agency, it's a very very ugly-looking group to begin with. And there's not a lot of Campbell-like guys. Again, more of that speed guy. You can't just go out there and get you know, Adam Thielen and all of a sudden think that, oh yeah, that's an upgrade over Paris Campbell. I think you really need to make sure that you're well-rounded for that young quarterback. And I guess that's point number two. I feel like you've lacked support for your quarterback in the past few years. If you're going to draft a rookie quarterback and start him from day 1, you need to have uber support for that guy. So for those two reasons, um I think this is a loss. Um I'm also kind of like Jake, didn't you have patience with Paris Campbell to bring him back? Like you you stuck with him through the injuries. Correct. Last year he played all 17 games. He had over he had 60 catches for over 600 yards and Jake, you and I were throwing the ball to
2: him. <clears throat> like it, True. Well, you especially during our our knockout game, you had a couple shots that went errant, oh, I, right and came. I gave him a nice right there and
1: ready, ready position for him to shoot his shot. After that, um, I, it just doesn't make
2: a lot of sense. Do you think to me. that they? Do you think the Colts made a concerted effort to retain him?
1: That there was definite mutual interest by both parties to make this a second contract.
3: I mean, because was the contract too rich that he got from the Giants? I didn't think so. No, not I mean, not at all. So how far apart were they? Yeah, not not at all. And, you
1: know, when you start looking at needs, you know, okay, hey, a lot of receivers come out now on an annual basis in the draft, it, it, and I don't disagree with that. But, you know, I mentioned it a little bit earlier in the week. It's critical to support your rookie quarterback with somewhat of experienced guys. You know, when you think back to Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning, they both had experienced wideouts in their building in that rookie season that helped them big time. Jake, the most experienced wideout on the roster is Michael Pittman. He's played three years in the
2: NFL. That, I mean, that's my concern at this point is, I, you know, even if Gardner Minshew and I, I do think that he's, you know, is he going to be the guy that's taking their primary s- snaps? I, I don't know about that, but I like him. And I think he's got – I actually think he's got a strong arm. But who's he throwing to now, right? I mean, who's he who, – Ashton Doolin?
1: Yeah, and again, I don't think you look at Doolin and think all of a sudden he replaces Campbell. Um, yeah, it just it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, the other reminder that I had was just how bad the 2019 draft class was for the Colts. Uh, EJ Speed is the only 2019 draft class member of the 10 guys drafted that year by the Colts that... Made it to a second contract with the team. That's not good. And it's especially not good when you emphasize the drafts as much as they do. Because they don't spend, uh, or they aren't as active in free agency as other teams are. So drafts matter more. And when you miss on draft picks, it puts you in a position that you're in right now. And not to go back and look at the 2019 draft, but let's think back to some of the receivers drafted in round two and round three of that year. Debo Samuel. A.J. Brown. DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, uh, Deontay Johnson. I mean, it is a loaded, loaded draft at receiver after round one in that range where the Colts drafted Rocky Scene and drafted Ben Banigou and drafted Paris Campbell. Um, so that's where I think it kind of adds insult to injury on that. Um, so right now, the receivers on your roster of note, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce,
2: Ashton Doolin, and Mike Strawn. I would like to let the record state that it is St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day, of course, coming in March. It is the second day of the opening round of the NCAA tournament. A couple of upsets yesterday. Again, Arizona bounced. Virginia, even though I don't think a lot of people had Virginia in the final four, they certainly didn't have Furman beating Virginia probably bounced. But, and understandably so, I, I, I totally get it, and it's very much justified, getting up this morning, getting ready to drive to West 56th Street, Chris Ballard getting in his car, curious to see maybe what we're talking about as to whether or not next year his Wisconsin Badgers will be in the NCAA tournament, maybe... One of the teams from Texas. I think he spent some time down there. And, and he turns on the radio and he's thinking to himself, I want some NCAA tournament talk. And then this is what he he's thinking to himself in his head as soon as he turns on his radio.
0: Definitely made me think. And I mean, Bowen, every time I freaking read or listen to Bowen, it's like a constant freaking barrage of, of, of uh, White <laughs> mm-hmm. It's been a
1: while since we've heard that clip. That hasn't changed, right? Uh, and again, Jake, to me, it goes up another rung of the ladder when you have the young quarterback, because you need to make sure you support him. Um, I totally agree. I mean, and, and that adds to it. I, I'm a I'm a fan of the Gardner mintrew signing again. When you talk about kind of what you're looking for in that, and, and I don't know, is he going to be the backup? Is he going to be the bridge quarterback and start a year like that? That remains to be seen. But you know, think about the boxes that he checks. He's got a good amount of playing experience. He started 24 games in in um, four seasons. Played and has started for Shane Steichen two games each of the last two years. So he can tell this rookie QB, hey, when I've been in games, this is how Shane likes to call plays, or, you know, these are kind of the core principles of Shane's offense. He started 12 games as a rookie. So while he won't have or he didn't have the fanfare as a six round pick as this rookie will, he also started in year one. So he can provide that sort of relatability. And I think by all accounts, he's pretty. Low maintenance. So, when you're looking for, you know, kind of boxes to check for the veteran quarterback behind the rookie, I think Gardner Minshew checks several of them.
2: Well, that was going to be my question is do you think that there, and and I don't know that there's any way to know this, but, you know, what's the expectation for Gardner Minshew, you think, in terms of what his role is going to be? Is he coming here thinking, like, I'm back as a starter, baby?
3: I think it all depends on who they draft in April.
1: Well, and I think his contract tells you everything you need to know about that. Uh, I think Joel Erickson had the numbers yesterday. It can be anywhere between like three and a half million and five and a half million. And I think that gap is all due to playing time. If you play a whole lot, you'll get to five and a half. If you don't, then it'll be more in the three and a half range. So I think the Colts are looking at it like we don't even know the answer to that. Um, But I think he can handle both roles fine. You can still get a decent evaluation on your football team if he is the one. As the starter. So uh, we'll hit on that throughout the show. And then, of course, preview tonight Purdue 650, Fairley Dickinson, and in Indiana at 955
2: with Kent States. Um, Fairley Dickinson, I still think, fairly screwed, right? After the video? In Go my opinion, video. that sucked. Excuse me? I
1: saw De'Aaron Fox retweeted, and it was like, this is going to be the biggest ass whooping in NCAA history. <laughs>
2: I don't know, I don't know about that, but I mean they're fairly clueless. Can we call them that?
1: Um, again, the small team in college basketball, they are going to press a whole lot. Um, we'll talk with Rob Blackman coming up in the eight Who's o'clock hour. Who's the most hour. famous
2: graduate of Fairleigh Dickinson? About that, well, probably Mister Dickinson. You the who is Fairleigh Dickinson? Do we know? Should I know that? I remember one time I asked, like, with some university, I'm like, no, who exactly is that? And they're like, uh, dude, he was like the fifth president. Yeah, I'm I, like, I, oh yeah, I, okay. I
1: don't, I, I remember looking it up. I don't think he's anyone of note. Um, I, I don't know, maybe I'm looking too much into this, but does Arizona losing, does that strike any fear in the Purdue fans? I,
2: I think that... Arizona's built around their big guys. I always think, Kevin, that second day opening round favorites are on watch after you know what I mean? Like that's always the wake up call.
1: Like I think Zach Eady is is a unicorn and is different than even Arizona's big guys. But if you look at the two Arizona big men yesterday, they combined. I think it was for like thirty five and seventeen. So clearly they were not the issue. Um, See, yeah, they a- had thirty five and seventeen yesterday. Arizona's starting power forward and center. Their guards, though, their three starting guards. 6 of 21 and 1 of 12 from 3.
2: Now now here's the thing. Don't don't you guys just assume we have we have region bias when it comes to academics. I always assume that schools on the East Coast are like these elite institutions, right? Last like, night they were calling Colgate an elite academic I, institution. I was unfamiliar with that. I think people confuse Colgate with Cornell, right? Cuz they're Patriot League, right? Colgate. Now the students at Colgate very polished. Yes, so like Colgate, and, in my opinion, know, that sucks. Lehigh, Lafayette, SUNY Cortland, like these are schools that you're like, well, that's these are elite institutions. Fairleigh Dickinson, I always considered that right. Fairleigh Dickinson Junior College started in 1942 as a junior college in Jersey. Well, that's like where the guy from... I've
0: never even been to Jersey!
2: <laughs> I bet he was... Well, down. You think, you, think, you think Norm, the pizza delivery guy, went to Fairleigh Dickinson? And then in 1948, they got a bunch of money from some dude named Fairley Dickinson, and they're like, I, who, who was the original, I guess, gave the money, Colonel Fairley Dickinson. She named it after... The, the woman that originally gave the money named it after Colonel Fairley S. Dickinson... Who died in 1948? So they they went ahead in 1948, and they're like, all right, he died; he's no longer a JUCO. we well, let's make him a real college. That's what it is. I, nothing wrong with junior college.
3: Uh, Ziggy Wolf, Vikings owner. Really? Uh, Seth Greenberg, also alumni uh, from Fairleigh Dickinson.
2: I mean,
1: it's pretty much in New York City. It's one of those New Jersey. Institutions. Well, they got uh,
2: here. It says right here: four campuses, New Jersey, <laughs> Vancouver, British Columbia, and Southeast England. What?
3: Now, did you notice who... That's the one you'd go to, <laughs> just for the accents.
2: <laughs> yes, I, 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 I. Did you
1: notice who iced the game for Princeton yesterday? Yeah, I saw that. Alec Pierce's brother. Caden Pierce, continuing the strong Pierce Boor, lineage. Boor. Uh-huh. Alex, yeah. I think that's what I, Brad Nessler I, I, said on the on the broadcast. Uh, Caden Pierce is the Ivy League freshman of the year, so that's a pretty good family. His older brother transferred and played at North Carolina basketball. Alex in the NFL... Caden is an Ivy League Freshman of the Year, and I think Mom and Dad were both D one athletes. I
2: believe one of the staff members on Princeton's coaching staff, a Culver graduate, whoever really was on the thing. whoever the
3: color guy was that was doing uh, the game was unaware that it was Alex, Alex right. Pierce's brother, and he's like, "Oh, I have him in my Dynasty a, Football League."
1: Brendan Haywood,
3: maybe was that who it was? Yeah, I could not remember.
1: Nessler, I think, was play by play. I love that the two upsets we got yesterday were Nessler and Kevin Harlan on the call. Yeah. Like those two kind of fit. Harlan's great. From remember. an upset standpoint. You know, if you look at the technical upsets, obviously Furman and Princeton, outside of that, it was Penn State over A&M, and it was Auburn over Iowa.
2: Hey, Auburn looked, Auburn's another one of those I said about Memphis, like they just play frantic, right? I and mean, Auburn plays like Bruce Pearl looks, just like frantic and sweaty and oh, very high for energy minutes. and intense. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and like Say Pearl. what you want about Bruce Pearl, but that guy can flat out coach, man. Yeah.
1: Chess painted in the student section for Pat Summit and the Lady Vols that one year. Um, I don't know if anyone watched. You know, it might have been too late, or you know, who knows. Don't wake up and look at Houston beating Northern Kentucky by 11 and think that was Houston up by 25 the whole game. And Northern Kentucky's yeah, starter. Uh Houston looked bad. They did and injured. Marcus they did. Sasser, their best player, one of the best players in college basketball, groin injury entering the tournament. He did not play in the second half. He tried to give it a go. It did not look good. And then Jamal Shedd, who is their other kind of lead guard, um, he played. But Kelvin Sampson missed after the game. He is playing through a hyperextended knee. Again, I think tonight Indiana's going to have its hands full with Kent State. But if you want to start looking ahead a little bit, and again, Jake, just just look ahead to Saturday. Houston and Auburn. Uh, that, to me, is like a coin flip game, especially with it being played in
2: Birmingham. Do you know what you get when you have a groin injury? Groin, I'm, pains. I'm a little <laughs> groin pains? I'm all nervous. Groin pains? In my opinion, that sucked. New record. Mark, That's three I, I in the first three segment. Three in 22 Listen, Mark, minutes. I think you're getting a little bit too much liberty here with the. Nah, I don't think so idea. at all. I, I absolutely I'm do. Right on I the think I'm right I think there's people that think that they. They're trusted Mark to we, handle all audio. We had a meeting the other day, and they did some market research, and they said the one thing that we've noticed is that most people at 7:20 in the morning are just amazed with Jake's whimsical nature, and they just love it, and especially nice. kids on the school bus. Shockingly, I
3: wasn't it. at that meeting. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was a meeting you just had by yourself. I'm assuming.
2: No, I get invited to a lot of meetings
3: you guys aren't a part
2: of huh. there's a few things we need to discuss <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have to hand in my key card Step into my office i feel like jake's ego's <laughs> grown I that here quote. over the last few days really yeah okay well do, do you think it's grown would, mark would that be grown pains for you guys Oh boy, this is going to be a
3: long Friday show, isn't
1: it? Mark's got to be thrilled to be on vacation
3: next
2: week. My Fitbit says I got four hours of sleep last night. You guys are in for a good good morning. Uh, The other highlight,
1: certainly last night from a local standpoint, the Pacers got probably their best win of the season. Um, Poor Pacers, man. Like a shocking result. No Tyrese Halliburton. We can get to that. He's going to miss at least the next three games. Hurt his ankle in Wednesday's practice. Anytime your best player misses... You know, multiple games at this point of the season. You probably think about him and the rest of the year. But Andrew Nemhard was outstanding in the second half. The Pacers hit 22 three-pointers. They beat the Bucks 139-123. That is the Bucks with Giannis, with Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. Uh, I almost feel bad for the Pacers. Like, no one probably really paid attention to it last night, and yet... Totally
2: agree. It's their win of the season. Totally agree. I mean, that's... Yeah, it's tough for certain, because, for, for sure, because, and the dunk of the year for Miles Turner right over Giannis. And yeah, everybody's like, oh my gosh, did you see what happened at the end of the Virginia game? <laughs> but hey, what is that, win 34 for them, 35 for that? I think
3: 32. That was 32, right? 32,
1: 32 and okay. 38, I believe, for the Pacers. They've got 12 to go. It'll be the 76ers tomorrow night inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. It's their only home game during an eight-game stretch, Philly. Plays tonight, so we'll see about Joel Embiid and Miles Turner. I know it's not something we'll focus on a whole lot today, but this is kind of a plea for Miles Turner from me. Jake, you think back to that meeting, and I guess all three of us were there, right? Pacers, Sixers earlier this yep. month when Miles Turner barely stayed on the full f- floor for foul trouble. Joel Embiid's great, right? I think we all can agree on that. No question. Uh, Joel Embiid, the only team in the history of him playing in the league that he averages 30 points against in the East is the Pacers.
2: Really? He is just such a unicorn, man. Watching him, I I don't know what you do against him.
1: And so that's my issue with Turner. If you're going to call yourself one of the best defensive players in the league, clearly the other 14 Eastern Conference teams are able to hold Joel Embiid under 30. Uh, in his career, he has absolutely dominated Turner and the Pacers, you would like to see a little bit more resistance uh, like the other teams in the Eastern Conference can do uh, to keep Joel Embiid from owning you to that level.
2: I'm really fascinated by this fairly Dickinson Vancouver campus. And then the one in England. They got like five campuses. I, I, I feel like most schools have
1: multiple campuses I mean, I mean am i wrong i guess well like obviously vancouver in the, and england is is not IU kokomo or <laughs> yeah
2: i know. mean you know you're right though i mean obviously there are satellite campuses for state universities but this is also a private university
1: is there any concern about purdue tonight
2: i don't think so i mean I, do they have any of the kids from vancouver playing because they got a nice player from the vancouver campus uh again
1: six six and under Five eight five nine. The starting backcourt. I mean, you're going to hear it all night long. The difference in size between Purdue and Fairleigh Dickinson, and they will press the whole game. So we'll get into kind of the whys and the why nots this? for Indiana and Purdue making Do their respective you know respective that not runs. all of
2: their athletics are Division One, and the Fairleigh Dickinson Division One athletics are the Knights, and the other sports are Division Two, and they're the Devils. That oh. seems odd. <laughs> what? so what does the division two athlete say? Well the, the coach
1: came from D two if I the kid I'm not that's mistaken. running
2: around that that is like a gymnast at Fairleigh Dickinson and somebody's like, what team Does are that you mean on? they
3: have like two sets of apparel? Like uh, yeah. You get, I, I, yeah, I don't get the different yeah. nicknames. I'm rocking the devils all day then.
2: Don't mess with the devil, buddy. Or <laughs> number one, we beat anybody. Now they the play devil. later today, right Mark? The yeah. That's the New Jersey Devils, which is exactly what Farley Dickinson yeah. is.
1: Arizona State against TCU coming up. That's well, that's a late game. That's the latest game of the night. <laughs>
2: Mark Mark completely amusing himself with his putty Seinfeld thirty year old references over there.
1: That's Mark Dykman on the Sound. Query Enjoy Kevin it. I'm Bowen. out all next week. It See you to have any? An ugly looking Friday here in Indianapolis. St Patrick's Day, unfortunately, not going to be a good weather day at all. It's going to be rainy and it's going to be cold, particularly as the day moves along. Don Fisher at eight. Rob Blackman at eight thirty. Greg Reichstraw at nine o'clock. You're in the week with us right here. Kevin and Corey, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.
0: The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
1: All right, Jake, the upset's yesterday. My bracket is burnt, like burnt toast to the point where we've got smoke alarms going off in the Bowen household.
2: <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. You had Arizona going far, right? Uh, winning it all. Okay, yeah, that would be a problem. That's the second time I've done
1: that with Arizona. I did that with DeAndre Ayton's Arizona
2: does it Arizona kind of feel like that, though, every year? Like, Arizona is either regional final or upset. They're the right? first team I saw in
1: tournament history to lose to an 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. Really? Really? Yeah, so that was the big upset on day one. The, probably the most like climatic upset was Furman, the steal and the three as they beat Virginia. Outside of that, Penn State was dominant. I guess Penn that was State technically was really an upset. impressive. Uh, they thrash Texas A and M. So plenty of time to rest my head on Buzz Williams' tummy moving forward. Uh, <laughs> Auburn <laughs> over Iowa. Uh, you look ahead to today's slate, Jake. Anything stand out to you?
2: Uh, A couple games that that jump out at me, actually. I'm a little intrigued by North Carolina State and Creighton. um, Just because I think Creighton... The higher seed, but I think Carolina State, I don't know. There's something about that matchup to me that's intriguing. Uh, Memphis and Florida yeah. Atlantic, I think, is a really mm-hmm. big one, and yeah. that's big for Purdue as well.
1: That'll be after Purdue. Purdue's at 650 tonight. Let's transition from Creighton. Ryan Nemhard for the Blue Jays. How about his brother last night?
2: Andrew Nemhard, leading scorer for the Pacers. He had 24. That just in front of Aaron nesmith's 22 and Buddy Heald's 20. As the Pacers, who also got 15 from George Hill, Beating the Milwaukee Bucks 139 123 last night. So that really was a game that kind of came out of nowhere.
1: Jake, I know in an 82 game season, you like, you know, expect the unexpected. That's got to be one of the crazier upsets of the NBA season. Yeah. No Halliburton. They had Giannis. They had Holiday. They had Middleton. And what did I say yesterday? 14 point
2: underdog. And how much did they win by? I mean, they had seven players Milwaukee did in double figures, led by Giannis's 25. And yeah, for Indiana not just to win, but to win convincingly.
1: The second half was incredible by the Pacers. They hit 22 three-pointers, so they will be back in action tomorrow night with the 76ers inside of (laughs) GameBridge. Uh, again, looking ahead to, to tonight's 6.50 tip for the Boilers in Columbus, Indiana. It's taking on Kent State and Albany. That is approximately, and uh, emphasis on approximately 9.55 for Purdue. I think an advantage they can have, certainly in this tournament. It is very hard to replicate Zach Eadie. Obviously, that means they are out of Big Ten play. Matt Painter touched on getting out of conference play yesterday.
2: You know, when you get in conference, I think that holds true in any conference. Is like, you know, the opponent actually knows your stuff better than you do. You know, when you get into some of those games, it gets really difficult. But it's also, you know, the different style. You know, and so like now you're, you're going to face different styles if you can keep advancing and you got to adjust to them. I think the one point to it is you're hoping what you do is harder for them to adjust to
0: than what you got to adjust to them.
2: It'll be interesting to see because I think that So much of Purdue rests, Kevin, on their ability to shoot the ball from the outside Fletcher Lawyer might be the most important player on the roster for Purdue
1: yeah we'll, we'll get into that coming up next again what you should be hopeful for from an Indiana Purdue standpoint about the respective teams and draws and then what would be a bit worrisome as we will see both of those teams in action if you are taking part in St. Patrick's Day and you hope to watch those games uh, pace yourself it's a long day 6.50 again for the boys. you know I haven't
2: done my leprechaun impersonation in 9.55
1: uh, They've been
3: for like ten oh two. 0 2 That's it? That could have been waited. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. That wasn't one of your best. I,
1: I actually think the English accent I've told you is, is pretty good. But uh, Really? Yeah, the leprechaun, oh, though. Oh, thank you. It is ah. an awful-looking St. Patrick's Day. That's he, a
3: gorgeous day outside.
1: The
2: monument is all green.
1: It has rained for, I think, 24 straight hours. Green and heights, it is going to be chilly moons. throughout the day. That's obviously Jake Quarry. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark (laughs) Dykton. Kevin and Quarry 93.5 on 107.5 The the Fan.
0: It's Kevin and Quarry on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: I like Buzz Williams. He just looks like a guy you like to, you know, rest your head on his tummy. Okay.
3: That was a very odd way to end the segment. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to St. Emily Lede. Eh? I think he can coach. want to lay your head on his
2: belly. Yeah, it's a nice pillow.
0: One of the things that I really like about my pillow is the support. It gives my neck a little hug.
2: His name is Buzz.
0: Oh, this is awkward.
1: <laughs> now, the only bad thing about that, he has a big sweater.
3: Let's sweat.
1: Have you ever seen him? <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Yeah. He looks like, doesn't I, doesn't the Hurley, isn't he a guy that sweats a lot? The Hurley, the one last night? So if
3: you're you know, laying he looks, on his belly, you're probably bringing some Buzz Williams with Buzz you Buzz Williams
2: from the neck up looks kind of like the claymation that was used in the whale with Brendan Fraser.
0: He used to dip his bald head in oil <laughs> and rub it all
4: over my body. <laughs> Plenty
2: of time to nap for Buzz Williams, right? <laughs> any other any other coaching breakdowns you'd like to get into this morning? Yeah,
1: boy. Uh, ugly last night for Texas A&M. Say least. Well, kind of like my bracket. Uh, Arizona toast. A&M toast. What else do I got out? I guess that's it on the Sweet 16 front. But boy, those are
2: some monumental. Two things <sighs> about the bracket. tournament, Kevin, that I... I I think people can probably tell that I'm very nostalgic about the tournament. I love it. I love the first two days. I love the randomness of it. And the thing that makes it great, the thing that always draws people in is you always know that some superpower, blue blood or high-ranked team that's had a great year with expectation is going to get shocked and bounced. You never know if it's going to be your team. Most people have had it be their team at some point. And you love it when it's somebody else's team. But the other thing that I love about the tournament is it just draws out these personalities and you you watch people's 15 minutes of fame right before your eyes. You know, whether it be a player that that jumps out and has, you know, captures everybody for a couple of weeks. And becomes an overnight sensation. Doug from St. Peter's. Doug from St. Peter's. Or like the like kids in the band. You know, the... Was it Northwestern? The girl that, that playing the flute that was crying and that went viral. And I know a lot of people... It's, you know, the, the pep band is always kind of the easy target to make fun of. But, like when you're in high school, I mean. But in college, it is such a huge part of the game experience. And the the bands themselves and the liveliness they bring to the arena or at football games, into the football games, that's a huge part of the entire atmosphere and culture, and it's their moment too, and that's what I think is cool. Like, you see these kids that that play their instrument and now this is their stage and they're on, they're getting television time and they're pumping up the crowd in an arena 600 miles from home and the fans that travel for their school are getting into it for the fight song or an Ozzy Osbourne song they're playing or whatever and it's their time to shine and they soak it in too and all of it all-encompassing is what makes it so great.
1: Yeah, it's the pageantry of college athletics. As much as things do change, it's that tradition and that um, just element of we all can somewhat relate to having that fanfare as a college student at one point or another compared to the NBA and professional sports in general where you just don't get it to that level. Um, looking ahead tonight, again, Purdue 650, Indiana uh, at 955. I, I do think from a Indiana standpoint, the biggest advantage that they will certainly have tonight is Trace Jackson Davis, Kent State, extremely small. And I think for teams like Kent State, it's one thing to see Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, they played Drew, Drew Timmy earlier this season. It did not go well for him. Drew Timmy absolutely dominated. So if you're not a U fan, you have to love seeing that. But Jake, when you start committing all that attention to Trace Jackson Davis, you can't forget about Jalen Huchofino. And I think it's right. that combination that for a mid-major team like Kent State, you're not used to having number 1 on the scouting report, but then you can't lose sight of what's underneath. And that is... Jalen hood Um I think a massive key for Indiana, whether it's tonight or throughout this tournament, Galloway and miller Cop. can they combine for five threes a night? If they combine for five three-pointers a night, Indiana's going to play quite a while.
2: I think the challenge for Indiana is going to be, and perhaps it's the same for, you know, I, I there's a, a world of difference, I think, probably between Kent State's lack of size up front and, and then fairly dickinson's lack of size against saceti but um i think kent state can apply some pressure to indiana's guards and disrupt what indiana wants to do i think we know what trace jackson davis is going to be able to do it's probably but, kent state's biggest strength but yeah but to your point uh, you know what did you what did we see at mackey when jalen hood shafino's got that mid-range game going uh indiana's going to be really really hard to beat but when Jalen hood Shafino and, you know, we saw games this year where hood Shafino, Tamar Bates, um, you know, Galloway, they, they all contributed to go, you know, 2 of 14 from the floor. Indiana ain't going to win a lot of games like that.
1: in Mackey was Galloway and Cop. I mean, Galloway specifically was such a difference maker for them when they made that push to start the second half and, and built that lead and then obviously played from ahead for the rest of the game. Again, I think what would concern you about Kent State is they have been battle-tested. They have had leads late in games, and their best player, Sincere Carey, has not played well in those games. At Houston with a lead in the final few minutes, at Gonzaga with a lead in the final few minutes, and Sincere Carey frankly was awful in both of those games. So if he gets going, what does that do for him? And I think unlike some other mid-majors, and this could probably go one of two ways, Jake. Like, Kent State has no fear. They also are some loose cannons, to be perfectly frank. They got into it with Ball State pregame before the game in Muncie, or I think it was actually in, at Kent State. And if you remember last year, they had four players suspended the night before their MAC title game and didn't play in the first half of that game. And they had a 14 game win streak going into that game, four players out for the first half and they lose by 20 right so they are a team that uh in this moment while they might ha- not have any fear uh they're also i think going to make some plays that probably won't make rob senderhoff want to you know jump out of the Al- albany arena the
2: you know for for indiana and for purdue both i think indiana has the this is going to sound really weird kevin For Indiana to make a deep run, like I watched Houston last night, and I agree with you. They look
4: they look like they're
2: totally. They look like they are literally like coming to pit road with a, a tire losing pressure, right? And They look like my bracket. I don't know much about Miami. My understanding is Miami's also pretty banged up, or Drake, but It almost feels like Indiana's biggest obstacle between here and even the Elite Eight may be just making sure they're focused against Kent State and don't get too excited by that. And that this might be their biggest challenge. I know that sounds crazy. Now watch, they'll probably win by 12. For Purdue, again, Memphis worries me. I'm just really fascinated to watch Memphis tonight because Memphis and Florida Atlantic, I mean, Florida Atlantic may beat them, maybe. You know, they may knock off Memphis. Yeah,
1: again, that's a 31-win team in Florida Atlantic. They've got a big dude, 7-1, 240. So that matchup with Zach Eady would obviously be something that Edie has not really seen much of this season. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think for Purdue, it, it kind of goes without saying. I think the advantages are what you like if you're a Purdue fan. Zach Eady, you can't replicate, simulate him at all. We saw this with what David Jenkins did in the Big Ten Tournament. Whether it's Mason Gillis or Brandon Newman or David Jenkins, they bring guys off the bench, or now Newman's in the starting lineup, but they do have others that have scored at a really high level in prior games, years. So, you know, can Purdue find some of that? Because right now they need it with Fletcher Lawyer's shooting issues.
2: Are there any other coaches with bellies that you think are pillow like? Well, certainly Huggins. I mean that was <laughs> yeah. the easiest one. You threw Buzz Williams out there yesterday. Bill yeah, Self Huggins. has got, and, and I mean, I'm thinking about his health. Yeah, I mean, you know, flippancy aside, Bill Self. I think you know there was initially a report that he would rejoin Kansas and be able to coach in the tournament. He did not coach them yesterday. Um, he had two stints right? We know that now, and. I can't speak for everybody, but as somebody who had a stent put in, now granted I had a cardiac episode leading to the stent. I don't think he did. I think he just simply went in and they said, hey, let's go ahead and put two stents in you. But there is like this, it's probably psychological, but there's a feeling of a vulnerability or like almost like a physical weakness for a few weeks afterwards. You're just very conscientious of every single little thing and like little stuff that you feel every single day like with your body just like a, a tweak or a twinge or whatever after you've had you know an intervention on in your heart I mean you're like whoa and like you it's it's you're like walking on eggshells for a couple of weeks so I get it I, I totally get why he may have physically felt okay to come back and then walk the sidelines and been like look I'm not I'm not ready for this yet so I'll be curious to see when he does come back
1: if you look ahead to Saturday's schedule um, 12-15, I, I was a little surprised that they're putting Furman and San Diego State in the standalone game. That's the first game of Saturday. Duke and Tennessee will follow. I would say that's the marquee matchup Yeah, Duke-Tennessee's a good matchup. And again, Purdue would potentially see the winner of that Duke, in the Duke Sweet 16. Duke looked good too, man. Yeah, Duke absolutely dominated Oral Roberts last night. All right, Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, joins us next. Yeah, I must admit, uh, we are absolutely honored that Don Fisher decides to come on our program when we ask him. He's so generous with his time. Um, There was a thought, just a brief thought, Don, that yesterday when we weren't able to get a hold of you, uh, did you start St. Patrick's Day early in the Albany pub scene?
5: Well, I should have, but I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, there was no problem there other than the fact that I turned my ringer off when we were in a press conference yesterday and uh actually it was before that. Uh I turned it off just so that I wouldn't get a phone call in the middle of the night and then I forgot to turn it back on. <laughs> and then uh you have to understand I'm old. Therefore I forgot to turn it back on and you guys didn't get me on the air.
2: All good. We, we, we appreciate you following hey, through. it, it actually worked out, morning. Don, because it's pretty cool to have you on on game day itself. Indiana in action tonight, the late game, so it could be a late evening, but um, before we get to the, the game itself, Don, I, I think it illuminates an interesting point that fans would find of interest, and that is with the NCAA tournament, you guys, you know, Indiana traveled into Albany when? Would it have been yesterday, or would they have even gotten there on Wednesday evening? What is the travel like for the tournament?
5: well the interesting thing is that yes on wednesday morning i had to be at the uh, uh the cook hall location where we catch the bus to go to the airport in bloomington at eight forty-five in the morning therefore of course we're on bus two which is staff and family and all those kinds of things so therefore we sat there for another 45 minutes uh, just to wait to get on the uh airport just to travel out to the airport and then you still, you know, it's 30, 45 minutes again when you're getting to the airport and you get everybody through TSA and all that kind of stuff. And So we actually got here right around noon uh, mm-hmm. on Wednesday.
1: Have you ever done a game from Albany?
5: I have not, and I'm glad I haven't.
1: <laughs> is that because of the, the, the sight lines that you'll have tonight or is that because of Albany, the, the town?
5: Albany, the town. Um, it's. I mean, look, I'm... I'm not trying to be really negative about Albany, New York, other than the fact it is quite old. Uh, you know, obviously the state capital here. And our bus driver took us on a tour of what would be a couple of factories that were completely dilapidated with uh, broken windows and all that kind of stuff. So the first uh, thing we saw in Albany, New York, was not necessarily the most beautiful thing I've ever wa- uh, driven through. And honestly, it's just kind of a... I don't know. It it remind, I don't know what it I don't want to tell you what it reminds me of because if I did I'd get a lot of people mad. Oh. At any rate, Albany, New York is okay. It's it's not a bad town or anything like that. It's just not what I thought it was, if you know what I mean.
2: Crossing it off the bucket list to That's travel right. to, okay? Hey, yeah. I, I trips to listen, Albany. Don, I've seen a lot of it. I mean, especially in the Northeast, there are places that you you look at it and you think to yourself, boy, if I could have been here 80 to 100 years ago, this place must have been something. And then the <laughs> commerce all left, and you're like, man, at least there's a tournament game, right?
5: Um, yeah, exactly.
2: Hey, so let's talk about the matchup itself. I, you know, you have watched different coaches prepare Indiana for different tournaments over the course of the years, do you kind of find that this time of year, and we'll we'll take Mike Woodson obviously since it's the current coach, does Indiana really start preparing for like Kent State and coming up with wrinkles that are the best for a matchup, or is it more so, look, we've played a season of basketball, this is who we are, and we're going to take our chances that teams won't be able to match up to it?
5: I actually think uh, that Mike does a little bit differently than what I've seen in the past. Uh, And I'm not saying that uh, the other coaches didn't do the same thing. The one thing that I've seen about Mike is that they're going to really take it one game at a time. They're not going to look ahead. They are going to make sure that you know exactly what the other team's going to do, and it's going to be an interesting scenario for the players because They're going to practice. It's not going to be, uh, you know, 45 minutes of practice time and then uh, two or three minutes of shooting around and then going back to the hotel. Uh, They work at it, and there's no question they are prepared in the sense of they don't know know what Kent State's going to do. Uh, And there's no doubt in my mind that they uh, have had all of the preparation that they need to get ready for this basketball game in that sense.
1: The great Don Fisher, he's with us here live from Albany. Not a place that anyone should go to anytime soon, it sounds like. And Don is with us as Indiana gets ready. About 13 hours and change away from tip-off tonight. Don, did you have any, uh, I guess, memorable or maybe unmemorable interactions with Rob Senderhoff in his brief time in Bloomington?
5: I actually got along with Rob. Uh, I I rode the bus a few times with him, uh, you know, going to a ballpark or, or coming back from a practice session, that kind of thing. Uh, I like Rob. I think he's a good guy. Uh, <laughs> what they did back in the day, I'm not going to speak to, other than the fact that they did a couple of things that weren't necessarily copacetic with the NCAA. Um, I, I really like him, and I think he's a good coach. He, he's he been the head coach of this program after being an assistant for I I think maybe almost 7 to 10 years, someplace in that neighborhood. He's been the head coach here. This is his 12th season, and they've never had a losing year since he's been the head coach. Um, he's had a lot of 20-win seasons. They've been very tough in the MAC. Uh, it's a really good program, and you don't do that unless you've got a good coach and a guy who knows what he's doing.
2: You know, Don, this Indiana team, you know, you, you've called some games with Kent State over the years and the tournament, obviously, getting bounced in the first round by Kent State, coming back the next year, beating them in in an unbelievable regional final where they're still, you know, uh, like Jared Odle just hit another three, right, in that game. Yeah, Um, exactly. And Dave Byatt. Yeah, and all those guys, man. It was unbelievable, that barrage. But the the NCAA tournament, to me, is in fact so magical because oftentimes teams that get hot or make a run – it's a guy that over the course of the year maybe wasn't an integral player, and that's the key factor, if you will. If Indiana's going to make a deep run, Trace Jackson Davis is, is a phenomenal talent. Jalen Hood, Shafino, as we saw in Mackey, can carry a team with his mid-range game going. But if Indiana's going to make a deep run in the tournament, if you had to pick one player to be kind of their X factor, who is the most critical that needs to be clicking on all cylinders?
5: Well, I just don't know, because honestly, uh, we haven't had a, anybody that's stepped up on a consistent basis like that all year long. Uh, the guy that's been hot here of late has been Tamar Bates. Uh, he's come off the bench. He's given Indiana some really good performances here in the last, later stages of the season. He had 14 points uh, in the game against Maryland, which was a big boost to this ball club. No question about that. I still think, and, and I know that Trey Galloway and Miller Kopp are two other guys that I think are really good players and, and have a chance to do the kinds of things you're talking about. Um, but they just haven't had any consistency. I don't know who to pick in that regard, other than maybe Bates, who's had the hot hand here of late. And Malik Renew's another guy that's been really good a lot of the time throughout the last 10 games of the season in the sense of coming off the bench and giving him something. But Nobody seemed to do it consistently well, and that's what's a little concerning at this point in the year when when you're really counting on guys to be factors for your basketball team and to be consistent in that regard, and I can't say that we've had a guy that's been that way at this juncture.
1: He's the Hall of Famer. He's Don Fisher. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors hotline again tonight. It's IU and Kent State, approximately, which I'm sure Don loves that nine fifty five. The tip from <laughs> Albany. Um, are, are you a are, are you a napper? Not to get too personal, but will you will, will you nap today, Don? Because I'm afraid nine fifty five means like ten twenty.
5: Uh, you're not the only one that feels that way, and I'm not a napper, so that gets me real irritated.
2: Don, Don, you could probably schedule another factory tour from nine forty to ten. Sure. Yeah, huh? if you'd like. Yeah,
5: mm-hmm. right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I could probably get the entire town surveyed before we go. There. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. window
1: shattered in nineteen seventy four. We're gonna right. replace it here coming up. Uh, Don, w- would you look specifically at Kent State? I, you know, I've talked about it all, all week long. I think there are some reasons to have some legit concern. I get they're not the tallest, they're not the deepest, they're not the greatest shooting team, but a couple Couple words you hear from people that you know have seen them play—they're confident and they're r- relentless. What have you observed from your background on Kent State? Uh,
5: the one thing that I'm concerned about is their toughness factor. These guys—they uh, go out there and they play hard. They—they uh, they will get after you in every way, shape, and form. Uh, Senderhoff has them playing as hard as anybody in the country. Uh, they are going to be a tough matchup, and they're not as big as Indiana. Uh, their big guy inside, Claron Hornbeek, 6'9", he's 224, a sophomore. He doesn't get that many minutes because they go smaller what they have to, especially in the sense of getting guys that can score the basketball. And they've got a couple coming off the bench who can do that pretty consistently. Chris Payton being one, he's 6'7", and Jalen Sellinger a 5'10 guard, is tough as well. They're going to be they're going to be a real matchup issue in the sense of going smaller for this Indiana basketball team, and we've seen uh, you know we've seen the problems that Indiana has when somebody comes out and just absolutely says uh, we're going to come after you big time, and you're not going to be able to do exactly what you want to do. And I think that's the kind of team that Indiana's going to face here. They're going to take a, they're going to try and take away Trace uh, with the dig down type of. Uh, double teams and that kind of stuff that a lot of other ball clubs have had success with. They've seen the recipe, if you're going to beat Indiana, what you have to do. Uh, And my concern is that Indiana matches their intensity from the very beginning of the first, of the tip-off, because that's the one thing we've seen where Indiana's been vulnerable. If they get off to a a really bad start uh, or get behind by 10, 12 points in the first half, it is hard to come back, and at this level, you know, when you're playing another team that's motivated, and you give them a little confidence, next thing you know, you're in real trouble. So I'm I'm hoping Indiana comes out with fire in their eyes and, and gets the job done here in this first matchup.
2: Don, I was talking with Don Fisher's our guest on the Payless Suggars Hotline. He is in Albany, where the Hoosiers are going to be playing tonight against Kent State in the NCAA tournament. J and V and I were talking the other day off the air about, you know, just legacies of players and. Trace Jackson Davis, and we, I don't know that we knew the answer to this either way, nor will any of us probably for a number of years, but John was asking me if I thought that Trace Jackson Davis would need a deep run in the tournament to kind of cement his legacy with Indiana fans, or if that would be part of his legacy was that they never made a deep run with him. It seems to me that this, that he is, and you know him, I don't, but Trace Jackson Davis to me, let me give you my observation, is as versatilely skill-setted a player as Indiana's had maybe not necessarily in his offensive game but you get what I'm saying there and also as nice a young guy as they've had to represent the university any way that you'd like over the course of four years as a player and in that I I think it would be great if they make a run but it's not critical towards his long-term legacy what say you
5: No, I don't think it's critical. I really don't. I think this kid has done everything that he was expected to do throughout his career at Indiana. You know, he had to grow like every kid does when you're coming into college basketball from a high school career that had him as a star as well. Uh, He has grown into that position. He's become a leader which I think the first couple of years he lacked a little bit of leadership skill, that kind of thing, but he's understood that he had to learn that, and he was probably going to be that guy at some point, and he's become a terrific leader for this basketball team. And uh, the things that he did last year about uh, you know after last season, because they had a few problems during the year and talked about at the end of the season and said this has got to stop and we're going to be a different ball club this year, Those things to me are critical things that you have to have your best guy on the basketball floor be able to do and say, and he did that. To me, uh, Trace Jackson Davis will be an all-time favorite for Indiana basketball because he's not only a guy that, that did the stuff on the court that he's done, but he's also been a guy who did the stuff off the court that you have to have. Um, I don't want to say that he's a Joel Hillman or the Quint Buckner uh, of the current era, but he's in that ballpark. Uh, those guys were always you know, always what we considered to be some of the best leaders Indiana ever had uh, as college basketball players, and uh, I think Trace Jackson Davis is another one you can put in that model.
2: And you know, Don, and somebody else pointed this out to me, but I thought it was a really good point. The in the Purdue game, I think it was that, you know, Trace Jackson Davis and, and Mackey, it, it was taking them a while to get going. And Mike Woodson apparently, I think Woodson's the one that mentioned it, that. He had drawn up some plays to kind of jumpstart Trace Jackson Davis, and Trace Jackson Davis spoke up and said, "Wait a minute! Like Jalen Hood Shafino is lights out right now. Like we got to keep feeding that. We got to go there." To me, that is a perfect example of on-court leadership because there are a lot of guys down in that situation that would be like, "Yeah, let get me going here, right?" But to have the maturity and the comfort to be able to know what best was for the team in that moment, to me, I don't know that that all guys that are leading scores on a team would be that guy.
5: I agree with that, uh, and I thought that Purdue game at West Lafayette was the perfect example of the kind of leader this guy is. Because when he wasn't having his best game and he wasn't the key guy, he was he was talking in talking in huddles. I saw him. I mean, we were sitting right there, right next to the bench. Uh, watching what he was doing in that situation, and he was handling it perfectly. I mean, he literally was clapping for guys, telling Coach what he thought he needed to do, uh, what he needed to do to get the other guys involved or stay involved. Uh, It was just really impressive. And uh, and he's, as you said, he's one of the nicest kids you'll ever be proud of. He's not a kid anymore. He's a young man. Uh, but he was terrific in that mode, and I think it was a great example of exactly the kind of person that Trace Jackson Davis is. He cares about this team winning, and that's what you want to have in your best player or your leader.
1: Thirteen hours and forty minutes until tip off. Don Fisher, um, to pass the time, I think you don't. You have a Hudson River boat tour coming up with Larry Rink and Tim Garl. Isn't that why we need to let you go here? I think there's Trust some other me. other factories to see
5: i'm gonna go find somebody that can give me an ambient
2: <laughs> don you're only wait a minute you're only an hour and a half from cooperstown have you ever been to the baseball hall of fame because i hear I that's unbelievable is that all we are yeah i'm looking at it right now i just looked it up cooperstown new york to albany new york 76 miles one hour and 20 Boom. minutes
5: call the uber don hey i might do that i'm, I'm I mean, serious seriously. don i've
2: heard it is fantastic i mean i've
5: heard it's fabulous well, I will check and see if we've got an Uber or a car that I can borrow, and we may do that. I didn't even think about it.
1: He'd rather be a new Albany than Albany, but tonight he will be on the call, of course. Again, <laughs> 9.55 is the approximate tip time for the Hoosiers. You can hear it right here on WIBC downstairs on floor four. Don, thank you very much. Have a great call tonight. Appreciate all the combos throughout the year.
5: Sorry, I blew you off yesterday, boys. Thank you. <laughs> All good. So,
1: yeah. That is the great Don Fisher right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Um, I do think something you can point to for Indiana, which certainly I don't think Kent State can match. I don't know how many teams can match in the tournament. Jake, when you think about like the end-of-game situations this year, you know a guy who's just been great for Indiana is Jalen Huchafina. Like those moments... At
2: wants the ball in his in his greatness. He's great, right?
1: You know, he hits the three late in that Michigan game to kind of stave off what could have been, you know, you know, a bad loss. Kind of late, late in the year, um, he has had some big time moments late in games. And if there is game pressure on Indiana late at times, it can be hard to find your big guy. We'll see if Hood Hodgefino can now, deliver. Now,
2: allow me to ask this: Is this the greatest combo? of teammates with hyphenated names in basketball history?
1: Uh, Jackson Davis and Hood Sheffino? Yeah. Well, speaking of hyphenation in three names, we're going to have uh, Coach Jim Bob Kudra on the show next week.
2: Did Kareem Abdul-Jabbar have a teammate with a hyphenated name? Were there, were there other Lakers with hyphenated names? I don't think Yeah, that's was, a good point. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say if there was, uh, they would get the slight uptick. (laughs) Nothing against the duo of Trace Jackson Davis.
2: It could be be Kevin Bowen Dyked and Uh and that paired with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Just throw the
1: hyphen in there just so they can be a top. When is Jim Bob
2: Cooter going to join us? He's going to join us Wednesday. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, Wednesday we'll uh, talk with Jim Bob.
2: Can I ask him if we can just call him JB? Sure. Is Is that... we, we went, uh, I mean, his name is Jim Bob. We had a
1: press conference with him, Brian Mason, the new special teams coordinator, who is a 2005 grad of Zionsville High School, which is kind of cool. Uh, we had a press conference with them on Wednesday, and Jim Bob seemed to be the popular uh, phrase used to identify him.
3: Should I offer a uh, bump music suggestion for uh, Sam Fritz uh, during that interview? Sure. I've got one in mind. Okay.
2: Do you? Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. No. Preview it. No, no, no. Well, you're not going to be here. I know. I'll listen on the podcast. That's the
3: ultimate tease in the history of the show.
1: Mark just teased something for 7.30 a.m. on Wednesday. (laughs) Wait a minute. You You think people are putting that down in their calendar right now?
2: Where are you going next week, Mark? Florida. How much vacation do you get, by the way? Not enough. Can can I talk to your agent? Sure. So you're going to Florida. Uh Now, will you be streaming or you're driving, right? Uh, Yeah. So you, the wife, and then the three girls in the back, Mm -hmm. right? Will you be streaming the show? Uh, Will you be streaming while you're in the car?
3: Uh, I'll download the podcast. I'll listen to you. Are you driving today? Yeah. Tomorrow? Friday, as soon as our oldest gets out of uh, the last day of kindergarten before two weeks of spring break today, we are hitting the you don't road. You just call them in. What? You call him in? Yeah. Like, call him off?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you don't call in and say, well, she's got a tummy ache. No. And you hit the road no, early. No. No. Come on. You, you're not doing this like a, a true Hoosier. I think I am. I'm going to be... I'm, Friday, I'm, Friday of starting spring break is a half day, bud. I know,
3: but... It's also the night of St. Patrick's Day, so I think the later we get out...
0: Ah, oh, mm, yes, I'm a little yes. It does
3: seem like... i really miss that for next week. <laughs> the rain
1: I did see is supposed to taper off a bit here in the morning, which is good news, but it's definitely going to get colder
4: oh, the rain as the, the day plant.
1: moves along. Um, what was a cooler upset for you guys, Princeton or Furman? Uh, Furman. Because of the climatic steel yeah. three? I mm.
2: think Princeton, because I think most people thought Arizona would go for further.
1: Yeah, you could go... One of two ways. The better in-game moment was Furman. The more the bigger ramification is
2: probably Arizona, right? Was, yeah.
1: was Princeton? I don't think Arizona scored in the final four minutes of that game. You know, we said this to lead off the show. Like that end-of-game sequence, Furman and Virginia is why the tournament is unlike anything else. Again, Purdue fans, it's salt and wounds, but they watched Kihei Clark, the Virginia guard, who's been there forever, played in 160 college games. They watched him make one of the smartest, most cool, calm, collected, poise plays in tournament history and throwing the ball up to Diakite, who hit the shot to send that Purdue-Virginia game into overtime back in the Elite Eight. Yesterday, Kihei Clark, in the final game of his college career, makes one of the dumbest passes you will see and Furman gets the ball to J.P. Pegas. And Jake, that dude had missed 15 straight Boy, 3 he squared pointers, up, didn't he? And he looked like Reggie Miller he with did. confidence. And he drilled it for the win. Like, that, that just sums up why we love the tournament. And you tweeted out yesterday, I mean, the enrollment of Furman. Um, Virginia, of course, winning the national title just a few years ago. It's wild to think Virginia hasn't won a tournament game since they won it all. And that,
2: you know, 2,300 kids go to Furman. How many go to? Now it's hard to say with Fairleigh Dickinson because, as we saw, they have sixteen campuses. So I don't know. And it's right
1: outside of New York City, so I'm, I'm venturing to guess there's probably a decent amount of people that go there.
2: Um, depending on like the commuter, like if it, is it a commuter school, Fairleigh Dickinson? I don't know if it's that close. The enrollment is listed as. Hang on just a second. Here we go. Uh, this is according to Wikipedia, wow. which is all knowing as we know. It has the enrollment as. Does it not list the enrollment here? This is ridiculous. Uh, twelve thousand. Okay, that's more than I would have guessed.
1: But no one's over six six, in that twelve thousand. <laughs> no
2: one. That's right.
1: Like, wouldn't you just throw the six eight kid just on the team just to kind of get the average height a little bit higher?
2: You know, they're they are they're all shorter in stature. Their basketball team, and they're known as I believe we, we mentioned they're the knights. But the Divi- they also have division two teams, and they go by the devils. But because of the height of the team, you know what they almost called them. You know this, right?
1: Time for a morning checkdown. Mark? Hey, the,
2: the leprechauns. Let's go follow Dickinson at St. Patrick's Day. Have it yourself again, us. Rob Blackman in
1: five minutes. Time for a morning
4: checkdown.
0: <laughs> the morning checkdown. Hello. 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Those, uh, I did
2: the entire check down as a leprechaun. Those, from those same
1: PBRs from last Friday sound really good.
3: I, I might uh, make a run during the break. Last night, there right was a lucky now. Irish There's got to be a liquor store open at this George
4: Hill. The best win of the season Pints. last
1: night for the Pacers. They were in Milwaukee. They hit 22 threes. No Tyrese Halliburton, yet they beat the Bucks 139-123. That was a Bucks team that had Giannis, although he was battling foul trouble, but still. Chris Middleton. Andrew Holiday. It was an incredible second half. Eight guys in double figures for the Pacers. Andrew Nemhard led all scores or led all Pacers scores with 24 points. Jake, we should note though, Tyrese Halliburton injured his ankle in Wednesday's practice. Rick Carlisle said before the game last night, definitely out for the Milwaukee game and Saturday and Monday. After that, I think there's like ten to go or nine to go. So he was pretty adamant. Like I have no timetable. He's definitely going to be out for at least three games. Boy, um, him and Matherin. Do we see them again this year? Should uh, we see them again tonight? This
2: year? I'll be seeing the Celtics playing the Utah Jazz. <laughs> okay.
3: What? <laughs> what's that, Mark?
2: Yeah, if you're gonna do it, dude, do what? If you're
3: gonna do your impression, at least do it behind that. That's some beautiful music. It is nice.
2: What, what's that? Now part?
1: you're not gonna do it? Are there <laughs> Irish dancers right now? Has the parade started downtown? Michael Flatley
2: going to town right now. <laughs> Whatever happened to that Michael Flatley? I think he film. died. He was on. T- what? I think he's dead. Oh, Michael Flatley did not die. There's, did he really? I think so. There's no way. How many? Well, like,
3: he might still be alive. I, I thought something happened. He was notably in there uh, in the news lately, and I'm like, well, I mean, why he would he be up there?
2: Mark walking back his death <laughs> accusations. He had like a he had like a two year span there where he was this huge star. I think we would have known if he would have passed away, right? He had a health issue. I guess that's what it was. Really. Yeah.
1: Okay. Purdue and Fairleigh Dickinson tonight, six fifty. Purdue favored by twenty two and a half. Are we covering? Are we taking that?
2: Uh, yeah, I think Purdue covers that. I, you know what? I, who knows though? That's the thing about these teams. I mean, you get senior lady well, teams You're waffling that are like
1: Marquez on Michael Flatley's health.
3: I, I believe Waterford's a Belgian. Do it now, happy Irish. <laughs> Go! Come on! I'm setting you up. <laughs> I believe
0: the Purdue will under pressure. Purdue by twenty-three.
1: Uh, IU favored by four and a half. Mark you up the Mike Woodson tone loc audio. Uh, here was Mike Woodson <laughs>
2: yesterday on. It's about as anti-leprechaun sounding as you can get, I think. Right, on like he coming out. Eat, his voice is very baritone. <laughs>
0: on Friday's tip with Kent State. Let's we'll start. No. Well, again, it's is it's Jacobs, it's Thomas. I mean, they got weapons all over the court. You know, we just got to be solid in what we do. Curry is kind of the guy that that drives that drives this team, and he does a lot of good things offensively uh, in terms of getting the ball where he's where it's got to go, and he can score the basketball. So, I don't think you know you you're going into this game saying, "Hey, you just going to stop." Curry. I mean, they got some some pieces that are. Er- that everybody's got to be aware of, key matchups all over the floor that we got to commit for forty minutes to defend, and then we got to make them play us.
3: He only, only has to say four words before
2: they step on the court tonight.
0: That dude Just is, kicks
2: some ass. That's <laughs> that all you got to say. Is chill, man. That's what I like about him.
1: Uh, sincere Carey, who what's talking about, uh, averaging seventeen points per game. Remember Jared Sullinger <laughs> for Ohio State? You know Sincere's last name, right? In my opinion, that sucked. Jared Soldinger's cousin on the team, one of the best shooters for Kent State. So again, that is approximately 9.55. The game to watch to see when Indiana will tip off. It'll be Miami Drake before that. And so... um, that will be the game if it bleeds into a little bit later at uh, into Friday night then Indiana-Kent State could be pushed past 10 o'clock. IU women, they're going to tip tomorrow from Assembly Hall. That is 11.30 for them as they get their NCAA tournament run started. Uh, and if you're looking for tip times for Sunday, basically it, it's going to boil down a little like this. IU and Purdue, if they advance, they could play at 12 or 2.30, but then after that, Pretty much every game tips from five o'clock or later. Like you're gonna have a tip time at nine thirty on Sunday. So uh, only two in the kind of afternoon window, and then the other six games on Sunday would be five o'clock and after. So if you're looking ahead a little bit to the Sunday plans, uh, those will be announced late tonight, probably right as the Indiana game is ending.
2: Now somebody says that my leprechaun sounds like he's from Tijuana. <laughs> Think that's the case, doesn't?
1: That that one doesn't really sound
3: like. I don't a know what that is. Leprechaun? Yeah, I, I'm not sure what that like is. Needs a jacket or something? It's what? cold.
2: Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no leprechauns. Ha, ha, ta, 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 ta. Uh, Don Fisher's <laughs>
1: fandom of Albany was not. not very high. We'll see what Rob Blackman thinks of Columbus next. I,
2: I've, I told the leprechaun he's got to go away now. I made it first half of the show. Leprechaun was here St. Patrick's Day, but I've matured. And I've decided that the remaining 87 minutes of the program, leprechaun free.
1: I like that I leprechaun don't, I don't sketch. I don't think that's going to stick. I like that leprechaun sketch picture, the, the the video when they spotted a leprechaun down in Alabama. <laughs> that's an old timer right there. Yeah. I like yeah. that sketch. Yeah. Kind of looks like some of my artwork from back in the day. Um, speaking of art, we'll see how beautiful it looks for Purdue, not only tonight, but through the rest of the tournament. Uh, the voice of the Boilers, Rob Blackman, joins us from columbus uh rob did you take in i what sounded like a pretty entertaining at least end to the women's game last night as purdue was trying to advance in the uh out of the play-in tournament
5: i did um and man i felt terrible for our women's team because of the way obviously that game went down and they were so close to winning um but what a what a great job katie Jilds has done at purdue and, and gotten purdue women's basketball back on the map and i know elevens an 11 seed is not is not Ultimately, her goal—her goal would be to put Purdue back in the position where you know where Indiana is right now in women's basketball, where you're at a nationally prominent team, which Purdue was, was at one time. So, but yes, it, it, what a unique situation to have the Purdue women's team uh, right here in Columbus, staying at the hotel literally right across the street from where the men's team is. So, I did get a chance to take that in. I wanted to mention one thing, guys. I was listening to you uh, as you're coming at a commercial break, talking about Mike Conley. We've been using the Ohio State practice facility to, for our practices here in Columbus. Uh, and I think a lot of Indianapolis folks would would be, uh, would be uh, interested to know that the, the weight room at Ohio State for men's basketball and women's basketball uh, is the Mike Conley weight room, which obviously leads me to believe he's the guy that fronted the money mm. for uh, for that. so that's pretty cool that he would uh, you know have the financial resources and also give back to, to help out Ohio State. So that's a pretty cool deal here in, the, in Columbus.
1: I'll never forget my, uh, our high school basketball coach, Scott Hicks, when I was in high school, saying that he voted for Mike Conley for Mr. Basketball over Greg Oden. He thought like, Conley is the one... I think there are the a lot of people that
2: thought he was the better of the two players. That
1: that just made everything go. Yeah, it's like, exactly. You try to press Lawrence North, and you couldn't because Conley would just single-handedly break the press. Not to turn this into a Mike Conley segment, but... Yeah, that'd be just an incredible talent that I don't think I I don't think nationally growing up high school, college wise, I think eventually he got credit for how good of a player he was, but I don't think a lot of people gave him that individual credit that he deserved.
5: Well, and I'll add this. When I was a kid, I followed two college basketball teams very closely, Purdue and Notre Dame. And those Scott Hicks and Kenny Barlow teams at Notre Dame, man, I, as a kid, I, I freaking love those teams. I was Those are like my favorite teams of all time. So uh, anytime you work in a Scott Hicks reference, I think that's pretty cool too. Great dude. Great dude. Hey, Rob, let's
2: talk about the matchup for Purdue. And I'm going to begin it by asking you the same question that I asked Don Fisher about Indiana. And that is that when you watch Purdue getting ready for a tournament, you've seen them in a couple of tournaments now. Do you feel like in this opening round matchup with Fairleigh Dickinson, does Purdue make some tweaks or changes to their style based on what they might have scouted? Or is it more so, we're a number one seed for a re- for a reason, we're going to do what we do and come and get
5: us? Yeah, I think it's more the latter. Um, when you won 29 games, uh, when you've had the success that Purdue has had, obviously what you're doing is working, so why would you change it? Um, And what Purdue has done well all season is made sure that Zach Eady has been the focal point of the offense. Now, the one thing we haven't seen this year, and uh, hopefully as a Purdue fan, we do not see it in the NCAA tournament, but we really haven't seen Zach Eady in foul trouble where Purdue's had to play extended minutes without him on the floor. That's the one scenario that, quite frankly, uh, has never really popped up this season. Now, he did miss one game against New Orleans uh, back in December. That was a home game. Uh, Because he was sick, so he missed the whole game, and Trey Kaufman-Wren had to play. But, you know, no offense to New Orleans, but that's New Orleans. That's that's not like what you're about to do here in NCAA tournament play. But to answer your question directly, Jake, absolutely. Um, You're not going to start trying to change things here. Certainly, tweaking or even changing things drastically this deep into the season. I do think there is more of an emphasis right now at this time of the season of taking care of the ball against full-court pressure. Purdue has had a couple of hiccups against that here in the last couple of weeks. And Purdue knows they're going to see that tonight. They're going to see a ton of full-court pressure because that's how Fairly Dickinson likes to play. So there's been a bit more of an emphasis on on how to handle the full-court press. But as far as, you know, major tweaks or certainly any type of uh, major renovations you'd like to do to this team this late in the season, um, th- th- there's no sense in doing that because obviously what you've done this year has worked and, and it's put you in a position to have a number one seed.
1: So the voice of the Boilermakers. He's Rob Blackman. He's with us live from Columbus. Again, Purdue and uh, Fairleigh Dickinson. I think should start on time. I know NCAA tournament times can be a bit odd, but they are the first game of the evening se- session, so they should start at 6.50. You bring up the, the press. I think an advantage Purdue could have tonight, which is rather obvious with the press, though. Rob, like, Fairly Dickinson is small. and You know, if yeah. you get in trouble, just throwing it up to Zach Eady or Caleb first, that can be, I think, a huge part of just kind of steadying things from a press standpoint. Um, what keys has Matt Painter kind of stressed in, whether it's getting the ball to Braden Smith more, having, you know, just Ethan Morton and Newman and, and, and Lawyer, just those guys bring it up. What have been the keys press-wise?
5: Well, the biggest key yesterday, the biggest emphasis, I guess I should say, in practice— Was keeping the ball in the middle of the floor as you're bringing the ball up the floor. Purdue, uh, at times, has been very good at that. At other times, for some reason, they've gotten, uh, they've got, they lost their minds a little bit and decided to try to bring the ball up the sideline, which has been the perfect area for teams to trap. And that's exactly what Fairleigh Dickinson is trying to do. So keeping the ball in the middle of the floor as you bring it up. But I think you have a great point, uh, Kevin, in that, yes, this is a team that likes to press. Yes, they're all about the full court pressure. But they're not very tall, you know. In the backcourt, they're five nine and five eight. Um, they're the smallest team in NCAA basketball. Their average height across the board is six foot one. So it's a little bit easier. Well, at least I could I say that. Maybe the players wouldn't agree, but I would think it's a little bit easier to throw over the top of a guy who's trying to press you at five foot nine. As opposed to trying to throw over the top of a guy like Caleb McConnell at Rutgers, who's you know six foot seven and long, um, or or some of those Illinois guys that were like a Coleman Hawkins, who when they put him on the front of that press at six foot ten was nearly impossible to throw over the top of. So, yes, I do think there is an added advantage there of trying to throw over the top of that defense today. Um, but again, there's going to be the way Fairley Dickinson likes to play defensively is it's full-court press all the time, and then they're going to trap you in the half-court as well. If they get a chance in the half-court, they will trap. Uh, they will run and jump. Uh, they're doing everything in their power to try to speed the game up. So big key for Purdue tonight is to try to slow the game down and get the ball in the hands of Zach Eady because once that ball goes inside, I have a hard time believing Dickinson Dickinson's going to have an answer for, for Big Zach.
1: Have you heard any coaches or players talk about Fairly Dickinson's coach and what he said post-game the other night?
5: I've heard some of our players talk about it, just kind of eavesdropping on them, sitting on the bus and stuff, going to practice and those kind of things. Uh, so I know they're aware of it. Um, I have not heard our, you know, coaches du- directly uh, to- uh, talk about it directly or you know make it a big deal with our team. But I, I do know that our players are very much aware of it. Yes, <laughs> I do know that much. Rob, I'm curious about
2: this. Rob Blackman's our guest. He's on the Payless Tigers Hotline. He is in Columbus with the Boilermakers, who will be taking on Fairleigh Dickinson this evening. And I know that you can't overlook teams in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's just a rule. I get it. But there's also a quick turnaround, should you be fortunate enough to win at any round. So because you are somebody that's around the team, I thought maybe you could give a glimpse for listeners as to how it works. Purdue's second round, should they get past... Fairly Dickinson, would be the winner of Memphis and Florida Atlantic. Both teams offer challenges, I think. Does a program, does Matt Painter's group, like at the end of practice, say, spend 10 minutes each on just an introduction to everybody on what they could see from either club should they win, just to get them kind of briefed on that so that it's not just absolutely diving in and cramming at the last minute? or do those two teams not even get mentioned until after this game?
5: Yeah, not even mentioned. Uh, That's the way Coach Painter does it, and I've been with him 18 years, so I have a pretty good feel for how this works. Yeah, they they have not been mentioned, Uh, Memphis and Florida Atlantic, and they will not be mentioned, Uh, whether it be practice, film, whatever it is. Uh, The focus is solely on Fairleigh Dickinson from a player standpoint. Now, very similar to the regular season, the coaches and that includes the grad assistants, they've already begun their advanced scouting on a potential next opponent. Which is not that's not uncommon. You do that in the regular season too. Once you have your scouting report in for your for your next opponent, you move on to the to the following opponent, who's ever next on the schedule, and start putting together that scouting report. So the the, the base work has already been done for both Memphis and Florida Atlantic. Uh, because that's just the, that's the normal routine. But as far as addressing those things with the players or talking about those things, um, no, those have not been those two teams have not been talked about, and nor will they be mentioned uh, until I guess probably about eleven o'clock tonight or so if Purdue wins, and then you see who Memphis and Florida Atlantic who wins that game, uh, which is the second game right after the Purdue game tonight.
1: Robbie, I don't need to remind Arizona and Virginia fans this. The reality is, you can go home now. At any point, um, so I, I asked this question, just looking ahead a bit, I, and I apologize if if maybe I'm thinking too much about next year. But has Zach Eady been asked, or do you have any inkling whatsoever on him and potentially entering the NBA draft?
5: I do not have an inkling. I do know he was asked. I think it was last week at the Big Ten tournament. Might have been the week before. Which, ironically, I thought was interesting. It was the first time I'd heard anyone ask him about it from the yeah, media standpoint. Yeah, I was going to say, I
1: feel like I haven't heard anybody ask him.
5: Yeah, you would have, you would have thought that question would have been asked a hundred times by now, if not a thousand times. Um, but that's the only time I've heard it brought up, at least in any type of a public forum. And all I know is he said, I haven't even thought about that right now. Which... We'll take him at his word, but I think I don't care who you are. With a, if you have his skill level, you you have thought about it. <laughs> now you might not tell anyone that, but that certainly the thought has crossed your mind about what your decision is going to be for next year. Um, so we'll see. I think you know. It's, I don't know. I, well, I've never asked him specifically uh, about this. My gut feeling has always told me, at least for the Purdue guys that we've had that have you know been drafted here in the last few years. They've always, it always feels to me like if they're a, if they know they're a guaranteed first rounder, the odds are very much that they're headed to the NBA. Um, but if they are not a guaranteed first rounder, uh, you know, normally those guys come back. Um, they, you know, they test those NBA waters. I know Travion Williams did it, I think, twice and kept coming back both times. So, so for guys in recent memory, um you know, Biggie Swanigan, uh, God rest his soul, I know he tested the NBA waters and then decided to come back uh, one extra year. So that would be my gut. Again, I haven't asked him, but my gut tells me if if someone says, yes, we're definitely taking you in the first round, I could see Zach Eady leaving. Uh, but if there's no guarantees that that's going to happen, uh, I, would, I would not be surprised if Zach plays again for Purdue next year.
1: I, I thought I read somewhere that like for international students it's like harder from an Nil standpoint. I, I don't know if there's any validity to that but like that's been something that maybe I don't know Edie can't tap into as much as you would think I you know I, I'm seeing those jersey those like hockey jerseys and I thought yeah. that had something to to do with him but uh, do you know anybody or anything on that front like from an international student standpoint based off a of visa like it's harder to do Nil things. Yeah,
5: that's- I do not know that and that's a very good thought and question by you Kevin unfortunately I don't have the answer um, and I had not seen that article or what you're referencing so maybe there is something to that that I'm not aware of but yeah I don't I don't know about that Rob give us an
2: idea what the day looks like for the Purdue basketball team I mean it's a tournament game obviously they're not in class today they're in Columbus Ohio they wake up they're early morning game you know there's there's early afternoon games etc and then Purdue tipping off right around the dinner hour. So what does the day look like?
5: Funny you would ask, because I have the itinerary laying right here in front of me. Oh, perfect. Uh, yes. So breakfast here, team breakfast at 9 a.m. at 9.45 on the bus, head over to Ohio State. Uh, we're going to use our practice facility from uh, 10 to 11.30. Uh, come back here, lunch at noon, uh, and then off your feet, slash take a nap or watch basketball or whatever it is you do, uh, until 2 45 and then there'll be a pregame meal at 2 45 and uh and they'll roll to the arena at, uh, at 4 45 which the beauty of the arena the hotel is literally right beside the arena we could walk there in five minutes but but yeah that's uh, that is what the itinerary looks like for today
1: you think it's all green food at breakfast
5: <laughs> it was <laughs> well, when i was in college listen <laughs> right? i've been doing this i've been and i know you're making a st patrick's day re- uh, reference I've been doing this for 18 years. I've eaten the same frickin' breakfast of this team for 18 <laughs> straight years. So I can tell you exactly what it is. Sausage and bacon, pancakes, scrambled eggs, some type of fruit, hash browns, and oatmeal. And that is the same breakfast I have ate for 18 straight seasons. That I've eaten for 18 straight seasons.
1: Jake, a little different than the breakfast Mark and I had last Friday. Here, that's and, right and, your Long's and, Donuts and, yeah. and PBR yeah, right uh, slightly, slightly slightly different although Long's Donuts and PBR I think a few people might be having that to start this Friday here in Indianapolis Rob we obviously hope the stay in Columbus is through Sunday and we hope the next destination for you is the world's famous arena and that would be Madison Square Garden for the Sweet 16 in the Elite 8 have a great call tonight and thank you for the time
5: oh, alright guys thanks
1: Rob Blackman right there on the Payless Liquors thanks, hotline uh, Greg Ranks are going to join us in about 10. We come back. We'll get back into the Colts' conversation. Uh, Rick Venturi has some thoughts on the Colts and some of their moves. I'll share those coming up next. Jake, it's St. Patrick's Day, so it's only fitting. Uh, who's your favorite Notre Dame basketball player of all time? Oh, boy. Um, and if you want to talk about this for the rest of the show, I will
2: happily entertain. My favorite Notre Dame—that would be like me asking you, so which which is your favorite model of the Volvo?
1: Uh, I, well, well, you know, Notre basketball's got a little bit more history than that.
2: Um, got some good players. I, David Rivers was a good player. Scotty Hicks is a nice guy, I, and Ken Barlow, I guess, is a nice guy, but I don't remember a lot of watching them play because I was such an Indiana fan. Adrian Dantley? Lafonso Ellis? Lafonso Ellis, that's a good one. Lafonso Ellis is a good one. I've heard he's a great dude, Lafonso, yeah. Lafonso Ellis.
3: What's um, Bonzi Colson up to these days.
1: Uh, I told you, in utero. Rosie How about was, Jason was Williams? Bonzi? Jason Williams?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: At Notre Dame? Mm-hmm. Really? The mayor. Jason what? Williams, 1991,
1: Pike. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, when I think Notre Dame and I think Pike, I think Chris Thomas. Gosh, he was so Fair. good. Knee injuries hurt him, though. Uh, this from Rick Venturi. Uh, I've always liked Gardner Minshew. Perfect, inexpensive, scheme-ready, short bridge guy. Can give you the flexibility in your quarterback selection and some development there. He still thinks the Colts need to get to number three unless you're willing to live with Will Levis. Telling you. I am a big advocate to trade up to number three. Telling you.
2: But here's the thing that's if Arizona doesn't trade out, right? And that's the worry, Jake. It's
1: that if they trade out. A quarterback needy team is jumping you and now you don't, again, carry out the hypothetical C.J. Stroud 1, Bryce Young 2 you don't get to choose between Richardson or Levis do you want to
2: choose between the two or do you not?
1: That's, I that's the
2: debate that you have. I truly believe this I truly believe that the Colts are going to stay at 4 because they like Will Levis I really do believe that some
3: Colts fans are like, okay, that was all the
1: reason I needed to start my St. Patrick's Day drinking earlier. Well, one of the
3: one of the, like the trade I, I, I don't like, disagree with you. One of the trade proposals I saw for them moving up to three was giving them the fourth overall pick and then their second round pick. I'm like, that's
2: a that's a that lot. Seems kind of rich. Well, you're giving up a second round pick to move up a spot. Yeah, right? but I mean,
1: it is rich. But Mark, what if that's the difference between that quarterback panning
2: out and the other guy not panning out? But I think that the i think will levis and anthony richardson are equal roll of the dice right, right.
1: that's all kind of where are i'm are. at
3: all four of them are. with as many holes as you have on this roster I. Don't you think know. all four are equal
2: no but i think all four have I, I i think the general rule of young quarterbacks in the national football league is there's always the chance of uncertainty Boy, I'm looking at kids right now downtown for the St. Patrick's Day Parade. I feel bad for them. Oh, it's
1: awful. Mikey says his favorite Notre Dame basketball player is Doug Gottlieb. Uh, Doug was expelled for uh, stealing his roommate's credit cards.
2: Yeah, that's right. Doug Gottlieb, I remember when the Final Four was here. He'd been a
1: nice point guard for
2: the Irish. John what, McLeod years, maybe? What year was the Final Four here during the Kentucky? Uh, Notre Dame should have made it. 2015 when Kentucky okay. was
1: undefeated.
2: Th- that year at the Final Four, I remember Doug Gottlieb, and he wasn't the only one. Uh, This was a fad that, thank goodness, didn't stick around because I thought it looked ridiculous. Doug Gottlieb was a big fan of the suit and tie with high-top basketball shoes. That was like a big thing then. You know what I mean? I feel like it. Isn't that
1: kind of like what you see a lot of
2: coaching staffs wear? But I mean, no. I think you see like I I mean people call them sneakers, like athletic shoes. Yeah, but I'm talking about like big, gaudy, like you know, green and purple Reebok pump high tops with a navy blue pinstripe suit. And it's like, yeah, man, you look ridiculous.
1: It's comfortable. Don't get me wrong, it's comfortable. Ryan says, Kyle McIlarney. Gosh, what a great shooter. Expelled and then brought back to Notre Dame, by the way. McIlarney. Hit 10 threes against North Carolina in the My favorite Irish basketball player
2: was Noble Duke. That was Cathedral, granted, but Noble Duke, man, was like... Five foot six, Rylan Hanji. Rylan Hanji's a hell of a player, but I'm telling you, man, Noble Duke. That dude, Mason Gillis, his dad, Bill Gillis, was like just lean. I mean, Bill Gillis was six 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 seven, absolutely shredded, tough. Went to Ball State, and Noble Duke ran circles around him. And like he was literally like five nine center, unbelievable.
1: 9 o'clock hour coming up. Obviously, the Pop Quiz at 9.30. It's a freebie Friday, so Jiffy Lube Oil Change is going to be coming your way no matter what you do on the Pop Quiz. Greg Rakestraw, though, is next. Semi-state action. Busy time around the state. Again, with IU Purdue playing Friday and potentially Sunday. Perfect time to watch a lot of high school hoopage. We'll talk about that with Rake next.
2: Nine o'clock hour in Indianapolis. For that matter, it's the nine o'clock hour everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query. Kevin Bowen here as well, wearing a beautiful green rugby shirt from Ireland. I Mark thought you Diken. put the leprechaun away. What's that? I
3: thought you put the leprechaun away.
2: No, no, no. The, that wasn't my leprechaun. Are you,
3: well, it sounded that was the best version you did all day so far. Yeah,
2: Excuse that me? was
3: good. That was good. How'd I Oh, God. <laughs> I, watch it? I, like it. I just can't hold it back. 58 minutes, Kev.
1: Greg Rankstraw is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Talk about a stop I'll be making here at about 10.03. Uh, Rake, obviously semi-state I action tomorrow and we'll get to that in just a second, but your knowledge is second to none. So when the NCA tournament rolls around, I'm always, cu- always curious like random Indiana high school players on random NCAA tournament teams. Anybody I should be keeping my eye out for? Obviously we saw, unfortunately, and it's not very random, but Armand Franklin lose last night. Tony Perkins lose last night. Anybody else I should be keeping my eye out for?
4: You got Nike Saban Day at Pitt from Christmas Addicts that began his days at Miami of Ohio. Okay, I, somebody, somebody compiled a list. I think there are 39 players from the state of Indiana that are playing this year in the NCAA tournament and seven head coaches from the state of Indiana, really? including one who obviously did very well last night. And Micah Shrewsbury as Penn State walloped Texas A and M in the late game last night.
1: Can my Irish get Micah Shrewsbury? We need him to lose so he doesn't make more money.
4: I believe um, the person you're talking to suggested Micah Shrewsbury for the Notre Dame job. I he might have. Uh, Can you make that I'm happen? Still- I still think that would be an upgrade from where he is at Penn State. I know it's not easy to win at Notre Dame, but I can tell you since he just won the first NCAA tournament game at Penn State in 22 years, it's not easy to, to win there either. And I would think it would be easier to recruit and you'd have more resources in South Bend than you would in State College, Pennsylvania. So I do think that's a possibility.
2: I, I love you, Rick. <laughs> hey, Shrew, Shrewsbury might be holding out for a bigger job than Notre Dame.
4: No. Again, honestly, he could be. I mean, let's face sure. it, he is. But right now, looking, is there
1: any other job that's bigger no, that's open? I it. I, I, I know it. it's just this high. Is Georgetown or Notre Dame a better job?
4: Um, I think Notre Dame is a better job because of being in the ACC. I realize there's more competition, but you're still playing to a bigger national stage than the, than the Big East. Big East is... 6th best league in the country ACC at worst is the second or third best league. The, in the country. only and Greg I don't I don't disagree with you but if if this was high school debate class
2: and I was assigned Georgetown the the recruiting base of being able to get kids out of the DC area, yeah. the Baltimore area, hey, you two, know the Eastern Seaboard. two first round Seaboard, picks from South Bend last year, two first round you know, picks from South Bend. That would be the one advantage for Georgetown, right? Probably
4: maybe it's, the it's, only. A, it's a fair point, but obviously during Mike Brays era that's where Notre Dame recruited a lot of kids because of the ties to the at Catholic High School. So, so it is, it is frankly the same recruiting base. Uh, Georgetown has tapped into that in the past, but not on an all too regular basis these last few last few years.
1: Yeah, again, Blake Wesley, J. Ivey last year. Sounds like Mr. Basketball, by the way.
2: Penn kid, this DeAndre year. Golston at Missouri. I don't know if you guys mentioned him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of. Uh, isn't there another Duncan kid at at Vermont, Rick? Right? from evan there's been
4: like 37 of them uh, so that would make sense i'll be honest with you like as i'm watching yesterday like players i was looking for were guys that i saw play against iupui because of the transient nature of college basketball so janai broom that played for auburn and played awfully well yesterday he was a morehead state the last couple of years and iupui hosted them last year and Given the fact the Jaguars won three games and Junidas had a double-double with five blocks for Auburn in the NCAA tournament, you could probably figure out how that game went for IUPUI last year. And then Des Moines Hodge is part of this influx of Cleveland State players that is at Missouri as they won yesterday because their head coach is Dennis Gates who is at Cleveland State, who I knew from the first time I saw him coaching at CSU In January of 2020, I'm like, that guy's going to be successful. And that program is going to be good for as long as he is there. And they ended up winning the Horizon League and winning the tournament uh, the following the COVID-shortened year in, in, in 2021. There are several Cleveland State guys that are at Missouri. Des DeMoy Hodge had a great day yesterday. So as much as I'm looking for, hey, I saw this kid play Indiana high school basketball. I'm looking for guys even playing the Horizon League and and played well that are now playing awfully well on a national stage. Kevin, did you
2: mention Nigel Pack? Yeah, Nigel Pack, <laughs> he's basically Miami. the Kurt Flood of NIL. I would see. I would say Nigel
1: Pack, Miami, Jack Nungy, at Xavier would probably be the two biggest names from the state still.
4: And play. Kevin, the crazy thing is, is that, and this is the same thing when I mentioned Nike Sabande. In fact, Nike and and Jack Nungy played in the same semi state that I did on the radio for this very radio station six years ago. Because dudes have now been in college mm. for some time. Yeah, Nunji was an Iowa transfer, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, and again, again, unfortunately, Jack's story has as a uh, uh, you know uh, some sadness to it. Yeah. He transferred to save to be closer to home. Uh, because of, of a sudden death in the family, unfortunately. And
1: I think his brother, I think, plays also at Xavier with him. Craig Rankstraw is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Let's go to semi-state action. Again, we mentioned it, a little bit of a scheduling twist. Think regional rounds from previous years. We'll have two games tomorrow morning at these semi-state sites and then a championship game at night. Rake, I think it's fair to say Ben Davis is the definite favorite in 4A. So 3A, 2A, and Class 1A, what's the most wide-open class?
4: So the most wide-open class, I would say, is probably 1A because the team that many thought was the favorite in Bloomfield got beat by Lutheran, and Remus was has done a great job on the southeast side. Uh, that is a very athletic team. They play a largely 2A-3A schedule in their league in the Indiana Crossroads Conference. They hung with Lawrence North in the Marion County Tournament. It was a two-point game uh, the first night, and that's because Lutheran this year, maybe from a size standpoint, was actually a bigger team than LN was. So Lutheran is certainly a possibility in 1A. I think Marquette Catholic, coming from the north, is a possibility as well. Lagodi will not be easy for Lutheran in the morning game uh, tomorrow, but that's and that's to the Hatchet House as well. So it's just down, literally down the road uh, from Lagodi. Uh, but 1A is probably the most open in 3A. Northwood is the heavy favorite, just as Ben Davis would be in 4A, and in 2A. I think it's likely going to come down to one of Brownstown or Linton in the south. and I kind of think Blackhawk-Christian will be the team that, that makes it out of the north. But 3A, 4A, clear favorites. 2A, there's a couple of teams I can point to. 1A, I think, tends to be the most wide open of the four at this point.
2: Greg, what's the best story left in the tournament? I mean, aside from Ben Davis locally, I know that people know about that. But the hidden gem story, what's the best story remaining in the high school basketball tournament?
4: Well, I will. I will stick with the team that is is going to be potentially playing them in the evening game if they can find a way to get by Brownsburg, and that is Jennings County, uh, because Jennings County has not made a semi-state in 25 years. They have not uh, played in that played past the sectional round in 18 years. You know they have struggled to keep up in in the class basketball era. You know they played in, in the Seymour Sectional for many years, where if they were better than Seymour, they were largely going to win that sectional. Well, now their sectional every year has turned into the Hoosier Hills Conference Tournament. Well, that means they've been going up against New Albany, who's been really good for the better part of the last decade, or Floyd Central, who's been pretty good the last three or four years, or occasionally Jeffersonville, you know, those the northern teams of that sectional. Bedford-North Lawrence had not won a sectional since 2001, that's still the case. Seymour has not won one since the early 1990s. Jennings County had not won one since 2005. Well, they found a way to come from double digits down both of their first two games of the tournament against BNL and Jeffersonville. They have had easier times against New Albany in the sectional final and then rights in the regional. The other story has been the support of Jennings County. There might be more people actually at the games than live in Jennings County because they have been drawing four and 5,000 to go watch them play at Seymour. A little more of a drive to get to Newcastle, and they start their spring break this week, but I still think the dominant color when I'm at Newcastle tomorrow will be blue because those fans have been going crazy to watch their Panthers play deeper in the tournament than they have in a generation. A
1: lot of State Road 3. North on State Road 3 for the Jennings County folks. Rick, I was surprised to see they were in 4A. I, I guess when I think of like a 4A map, I, I didn't think Jennings County had enrollment at a 4a level.
4: Well this is again this is one of the things when you have a school that is the entire county then you have a you have a much larger population. My guess I, I haven't looked this up but my my best bet would be they are somewhere in the 1500 1600 enrollment maybe a little bit less than that uh, but it's because the entire county goes to one high school is kind of the reason why they are a 4A school. Pulling it up right now on their enrollment. It has to be at least 1,100. That's why they would be in 4A. Yeah. I don't remember uh, if they're 4A or 5A in football.
1: 1,181.
4: There you James go. Yep, wow. the I, didn't realize,
1: I didn't realize the 4A cutoff goes all the way down to um, Marion is the cutoff in basketball, 1,047.
4: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it, that's, that's kind of there's, – there is conversation about potentially shrinking class 4A because of the enrollment disparity – From the top end, Carmel, 5,400, a Ben Davis, 4,500, in that neighborhood, to, again, a school with 1,100 or 1,200. So there is talk about potentially shrinking 4A and expanding the other three classes. To Again, you're not not going to remedy completely that situation, but to try to make those enrollment gaps a little bit closer.
2: So then how many schools would you have in 4A? Because, I mean, the reality is... 97 right now, by the way. That many, okay. Because uh, let me ask you this, Greg. Uh, we know in this area, I mean, Carmel's massive. The two right. Fisher schools, HSC and Fisher's, are both massive. Ben Davis is big. the The ones in like Fort Wayne, Gary. Is there anybody that has that level enrollment, like thirty five hundred and more? I guess Mishawaka
4: Penn, Are they up there? Correct. So Penn is that level. Merrillville's that level. Lake Central is is that level. Those are basically. Up top of my head, the three largest schools outside of Indianapolis, and because of the recent merger, as in the last two years of Elkhart Central and Elkhart Memorial, I think Elkhart's at about that three thousand level yeah. as well. Look to, to put it in perspective, Jake. In terms of like say six A, which is the top thirty-two, when we get to football, you've got three Fort Wayne schools that are that are at that level: Carroll, Homestead, and Northrop. You've got one south of Columbus North, that is Jeffersonville. There are none in Evansville. There's a couple of three in the South Bend area, and there are several in the region. But I want to say that 18 or 19 of the 6A schools in football, again, meaning you're in the top 32 in the state, are all in the metro Indianapolis area.
1: Okay, Greg Rankstraw is with us. It's a busy Saturday on the high school scene with semi-state action. Certainly next week all eyes will be over at Fieldhouse for the state finals. I did want to throw a college question at you before we let you go, Rake. Um, tonight it'll be Purdue at 6.50. It'll be Indiana at 9.55. When you factor in the ages of these respective programs, Purdue and Indiana, the players in the team, when you look at their seed, when you look at the history of each coach in the tournament, obviously very short for Mike Woodson, Uh Who's got more pressure on them for a tournament run, Indiana or Purdue?
4: Purdue, because they're the one seed. And because of, for the things that this group has done, winning a regular season championship, winning a tournament championship, when a team that had much higher expectations last year didn't do either of those things. Even though this group has, has, they've got accomplishments that, that they can forever brag about, Because of what's happened the last 40 years at Purdue, everything comes down to how did you do in March? And I realize there's always pressure in Bloomington, and Mike Woodson is supposed to be hopefully the guy that that leads to more postseason success. There is still the weight of being the number one seed versus being the number four seed. So, there is more pressure on Purdue to have a deep tournament run than even the Indiana Hoosiers.
2: I mean, I feel like this group, Greg, is atoning for the shortcomings of last year's, right? For Purdue? Yeah.
4: Yeah. I think that's fair, and frankly, I hope they do. I want to see them be in the Final Four. I want to see them win a national championship, but... if if there is another loss to a double-digit seed if they are knocked off say again i don't think there's any way fairly dickinson does it but if they are knocked off and it's certainly possible on sunday by either florida atlantic or memphis what you're going to hear same old boilermakers and so to me that's why there's so much pressure on this group uh newcastle bound is that correct that is correct so i have brownsburg jennings county ben davis and bloomington north tomorrow and then i'm sure a visit the Mancino's in the Basketball Hall of Fame at some point in time in my near future.
1: I love it. I love it. Uh, Again, ISC Sports Network, semi-state action tomorrow. Greg Rakestraw out to Newcastle for those matchups, 10 and noon, and then 8 o'clock for the championship. Rank, having some great calls tomorrow. Happy St. Patrick's Day,
2: fellas. Thank you. You too. (laughs) Somebody said I sound like Popeye instead of a leprechaun. That's probably fair.
1: Yeah, the, the Tata Tai that one I don't think sounds very good. I actually think the leprechaun itself is uh pretty good. Oh, you do? Uh-huh. Well thank you.
0: Could that's, you
1: make a case that's kind of you. A- could you make a case more pressure on Indiana than Purdue when you consider Trace Jackson Davis, Jalen yeah. Hood Shafino, or probably not gonna no, be I tend mission? to
2: agree with Greg. When you're the number one seed and you've been number one for the majority of the season.
1: So preseason expectations don't matter?
2: No, I think that...
1: Purdue could bring the whole team back next year? That's
2: fair, but no, I think there's more pressure on Purdue. Because Purdue has also... And it's funny, because I'm not saying it's reality.
1: Certainly from a coach standpoint.
2: Correct. Purdue has the stigma to overcome of, you know, falling short in March. Which is funny, because it's not like... I I mean, listen. Indiana won a national championship 36 years ago. Like I went to an Indiana game in 1987 and sat and looked up at the banner, and I saw the 1953 banner, and I knew about Slick Leonard hitting the free throws, and I knew it was in Kemper Arena in Kansas City, and they defeated Kansas 69-68. I knew that, but it was 34 years before that, and I'm like, well, that's like ancient history. Well, that's more recent than the 87 one is now. Yeah, I mean. It's a long time ago, man.
1: Someone born in 1989, yeah. I mean, when you put in that. In that perspective, yeah. Yeah, I mean, certainly from a Matt Painter standpoint, the pressure is immense. You know, if you look at it from an Indiana standpoint, I mean, Jake, the most notable thing they've done in the tournament the last six years is that cheerleader grabbing the ball off the top of the goal. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So it's just, it's a really an interesting outlook for both programs because, again, Purdue could have the retention of everybody that's meaningful next year. In all likelihood with Indiana, they're going to lose their two best players. Purdue's overachieved. I'd say Indiana's probably been about what we thought they'd be. Maybe not in conference, but probably about what they thought we we, we thought they'd be seed-wise, everything, this season. And if you look at it, again, you don't want to look too far ahead, but watching Houston last night, they look vulnerable like no other. They're banged up. Marcus Sasser, their best player, got hurt. That sets up really nicely. Granted, if you were a Purdue fan and you watched St. Peter's beat Kentucky on the opening night of the tournament last year, you would have said, pencil us in for the Elite Eight. I,
2: I just think one of the dangers of the tournament, from a fan standpoint, maybe more so than players, but one of the real dangers in the tournament is that risk, if you will, of... Looking ahead at the way the brackets opening up yeah, for you and just I thinking, know. like, yeah. oh my gosh. I mean, Purdue. If we can just get past here, look at the road and how it's opened up. I mean, it's. Purdue last year.
1: I mean, again, when North Carolina beat Baylor, Jake, in the second round last year, Purdue's road to the final four would have been. Purdue's a three seed, right? I, yeah. So 14, that was Yale. Then they beat the six seed Texas. And then you would have had 15 seed St. Peters and eight seed North Carolina.
2: Yeah, I mean. You get it's it becomes dangerous. You start convincing yourself. I I still remember. I mean, in '88, Indiana got beat by Richmond in the opening round. Joe Hillman missed a shot out of the corner, and I, I literally around '89 is when I finally got up off the living room floor. And because the road had there had been an upset in front of them, and it's like, oh my gosh, they're they're gonna do it again. Yeah, it wasn't gonna happen, right? But you convince yourself of it. Eighty nine, man. When they went to Denver and got Andrew Gaze, went nuts for Seton Hall, and that Jay Edwards team got beat. Those are some rough days, and for young Jake.
1: Well, it was rough for Colleen Bowen. She was first trimester with Kevin.
2: <laughs> when, when is your birthday again? Uh, September. Okay.
1: First yeah. twelve weeks, brutal. Brutal. She also claims that Ryan, my oldest brother, was born on my older brother was born on March fourteenth. She claims that they served green food in the hospital.
2: Do you, do you believe that? I've had a hard time believing her. Well, I, have you ever had hospital food? I mean, it's not surprising. Well, yes, but um, I mean, green food? Green eggs. Well, I, spinach? Like, salads. everything was green. It's It seems hard to believe. 1984? Do you believe it? I, you know what? FDA wasn't even around back then, Kevin. Are you kidding me? They put food coloring in everything. What the hell did we care? Yeah, I mean, eat, eat, eat anything. When I was a kid, when I was a kid for dessert, we'd have mercury. It, it, whatever you want, right?
3: We wonder why the brain is the way it is for you. <laughs> do you remember the popcorn back in the '90s that was like colored? It was like green and red and all that stuff. Like it was just like you never knew what color you're gonna get. I think it was like a Pop Secret spin well, We used to just
2: do Jiffy Pop. Put that bad boy right it's, there on the like stove. A movie and theater
1: concoction here. And here
3: watch it inflate like the Hoosier no, Dome. What was it called? Pop Quiz. Pop Quiz. Popcorn. That's what it was.
1: Wait, about, are you trying to transition to the pop quiz right now?
3: No, but oh. that's what it was. Pop Q W I Z. That's what it was.
2: Freebie Friday for the pop quiz. A collaborative team effort. This is our first pop quiz of the week, isn't it?
3: No. No, we had one yesterday. We had a five for five on Monday. Yeah, and we had one yesterday. Did we do it yesterday? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That was the guy you, you we promised that you had to go four for five, and then oh, you gave Oh, that's the team right. Anyway. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sold Dark. us out to drawing. Tom
1: was the same Tom. I think yeah. Jake called him Bob at one point. <laughs> That's right.
2: He That's said that Jake was yesterday. favorite person. Listen, yesterday was a rough day for me. I need you guys to just be a little bit more compassionate and understanding. It does yesterday, seem like you're feeling tough better. Day. Yeah, I am. I'm feeling yeah. better.
3: Oh, yeah. Me. He's been busting out the Irish leprechaun impression every five minutes.
1: Understandable <laughs> on that front. Uh, okay,
3: so the pop quiz,
1: 317 for that. Uh, Let's do a morning check down.
0: The morning check down. Omaha! Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
1: Jake, this is not hyperbole. The Pacers had their win of the year last night. Against Giannis, against Chris Middleton, against Drew Holiday, no Tyrese Halliburton. They beat the Bucks by 16. They had lost 10 straight to Milwaukee, all by at least 9 points. I think I saw it was the first time they had beaten a Giannis-led Bucks team since 2018.
2: It is amazing. You I play mean, you four times a year. He, right. Uh, George Hill, you know, nice game for him. Coming off the bench, 15 in the homecoming, if you will, against Milwaukee. TJ McConnell was great 19 points, 12 assists. Nemhard in the second half took it to another level. Um, Nemhard has shown that there are games where you can really rely on him. He had 24. Buddy Hill with 20. Aaron Nismith with 22. Solid effort last night for the Blue and Gold. And
1: again, not only no Halliburton, but of course, still no Benedict Mather, and we'll see about their returns. On the Halliburton front, he's going to be out at least two more games. That's tomorrow night with the Sixers. Monday, I want to say they're in. Charlotte or Toronto, I kind of forget where they're at, coming up on Monday. Uh, Here was Rick Carlisle last night after, again, the victory of the season.
4: Not a great first half, um, but really a special second half. And um, our level of aggression, our attitude, was much, much better. And just, just, to, just in terms of understanding how we needed to play to have a chance to hang in and get a win here. Um, first, this is this our franchise's first ever win in this building, which speaks to how difficult it is to win here and has been ever since this place opened. How great a team they are. Um, but this was uh, it was special to have an opportunity to break through with some of our younger players playing key roles in the game. Um, and uh, it's a great win.
2: Rick Carlisle always seems to have a sniffle. You ever notice that?
1: Well, the thing I really like about Rick Carlisle is he always answers a question in a very interesting way. He doesn't repeat many words. I don't sense a lot of cliches with him.
2: Fair. He, he's got a great vocabulary. He, he thinks a lot about what he's going to say.
1: He's got some Mark Boyle. And the vocab on that end from... Rick Carlos. Again,
2: Patriots tomorrow night with the Sixers at Gamebridge. Uh, you mentioned by the way, Benedict Mather, and he might have been actually still sulking because his alma mater Arizona, one of the upsets yesterday in the NCAA tournament, 15th seeded Princeton, bouncing second seeded Arizona, 59-55. That was one of the big stories, along with Furman, who defeated Virginia 68-67. That's what March Madness is all about. Other winners yesterday in case you were for some reason under a rock. Here you go. Northwestern over Boise State, Auburn over Iowa. It was our Arc- Arkansas over Illinois, Maryland over West Virginia, Missouri over Utah State, Tennessee over Louisiana, San Diego State over Charleston, Penn State very impressive over Texas A&M 76-59, Duke over Oral Roberts, UCLA the biggest blowout so far, 33-point win over UNC Asheville, Texas by 20 over Colgate, Kansas over Howard, Houston over Northern Kentucky, and Alabama who looked really good over Texas A&M Corpus Christi.
1: Big Ten went 3-2. and two. Yesterday, uh, Maryland was a winner. Penn State was a winner. And Northwestern was a winner. Uh, You had losses yesterday from Iowa, Illinois, and Illinois. A lot of 7, 8, 9, 10 matchups. Jake, you see, Brandon Miller was scoreless for Alabama 0
2: for 5 from the field. They look good, though, man. I mean, they just were. You think any of this is getting to them? That's a good question.
3: I was just thinking, you picked Arizona to win. Was that because of the Benedict Matherin effect? <laughs> it was not, no. I just, I can't
1: really, I, the Alabama stuff is a little bit too shady for me. I I just can't root for them. Fair. So, I had them get to the Elite Eight, and then I said, screw it. I, I don't want to cheer for them anymore.
3: I didn't really enjoy picking them as my winner, if I'm being honest. Yeah,
1: so I, that's where I went. They Arizona. do feel a
2: little bit just- It's slimy. Grimy, yep.
1: A little slimy for me. Uh, Today, the early slate of games, so no one works past noon on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, USC-Michigan State at 12.15. Kennesaw State. I
2: speak for yourself. I'm working all day.
1: They've got Xavier at 12.40. (laughs) Baylor has got the Gauchos of UC Santa Barbara. the
3: Gauchos. At at (laughs) one thirty? Go ahead. Now do it. And
1: VCU taking on Randy Bennett and St. Mary's at 2. I like VCU.
2: I have VCU the upset. I so. have a, my two favorite T shirts are a VCU T shirt and a St. Mary's T shirt. You never wear the uh, the, the the Peacocks T shirt. I did does nope. That, does, is that still I do fit? You know what? I'll wear it Monday. Does it still fit? Are you implying that, <laughs> that I've was, gained weight?
3: That was kind of a shot,
2: no, Kev. I,
1: I, it could be the reverse. Maybe Jake's lost a lot of weight. Doesn't have to mean, I mean that if you've you're gonna gained mention the weight.
2: Peacocks. I strut because I because I'm cut. Remember? <laughs> Isn't there a strut logo on? Yes, like a it's phrase? the Peacock Strutting. It is the Strutting Peacock. I will wear it on Monday. Unless St. Mary's or VCU finds themselves in the Sweet 16, in which case he has, I'll... He has to find that shirt. Is it like a big step. ram no, I know a exactly VCU where it is. shirt? Do you want me to send you a picture of it by 1030? No. See? No, I won't see because you're not going to send it to me. <laughs>
1: Other games of note today. Providence, Kentucky. That leads off. and That's a CBS game, I should say. It's 7 o'clock. Providence's leading score is a Kentucky transfer. That's a bit of a juicy... Storyline, and I'm looking forward to the game lead into Indiana Kent State. I'm looking forward to Miami and Drake.
2: That's gonna be a good game. Very intrigued by that game. And you like Creighton NC State, right? Yeah, that's I think Creighton NC State's intriguing as well because um, I just got a weird feeling about NC State. The watch they'll get beat, but I, I've got a feeling they're one of those that could, you know, oh, everybody said they shouldn't be in the tournament and here they are and they're in the Sweet 16. So, who's your biggest
3: upset today? probably VCU for me let's see here
1: Who's uh, my- I guess Kent State by seed
2: you think Kent State will beat Indiana Huh.
1: I've got yeah Kent. but again this comes from the guy that Arizona won it all <laughs> uh, i got Drake in the Sweet 16 so yeah. if you want to go like a little bit further Mark mm-hmm. that's where I'm yeah go.
3: I've got Drake in the Sweet 16 I wouldn't also. be surprised
1: if
2: Arizona State beats TCU would that be an upset
1: I have a lot of people reaching out to me being like how dare you disparage your alma mater by picking Kent State do they want honesty or homerism
3: right my six year old filled out her bracket. She's got Grand Canyon winning in the whole thing.
1: That okay, so that's the highest over under of round mm-hmm. one. Grand Canyon yep. against Zaga.
3: She's pulling for the Antelopes.
1: And that's Bryce Drew, right? Mm-hmm. Is that are
2: the Antelopes?
3: Yep. Yeah, she had the Richmond Spiders last year. This year she went Grand Canyon. The
2: Antelopes really? I think I got didn't I get your daughter a Richmond spiders? You did, thing? she
3: loves it. Was she, she was holding it and she was cheering. She said, "Go Richmond!" Every time they scored a game, they scored in the game. <laughs> is she
2: looking for them in this year's tournament? That was no, a, she's, a, she's that like, was a I, she's like a big upset last year. Then USC Iowa. over Michigan State. All she
3: too. said after she failed, she's like, "I hope my team wins." I'm like, "Well, that's a good attitude to have. You're, right d- attitude. you're doing better yeah. than Kevin right now."
1: Well, positivity is not there again. Burnt toast. I'm at the um, I'm at the stage where Rosie is tall enough to where she can reach the toaster, and she always likes to turn the dial up to five setting so burns rather quickly Mm -hmm. that was my bracket she turned it all the way to five i left the room for five minutes my english muffin was as black as my phone case uh all right popcorn is coming up next three on seven two three you know what goes well
2: with an english muffin
0: irish coffee have you studied Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Quarry. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985.
1: Freebie Friday on this St. Patrick's Day. It looks like the rain, thankfully, has stopped, right? So now it's just cold the rest of the day? It's just gross. I could handle cold, but just that ugly rain. Yesterday was terrible.
2: Just terrible. Yeah, it's just gross outside. It's disappointing.
1: Three one seven two three nine ten seventy for the pop quiz. Jake, uh, this is a combo effort from Jake that's myself. Right. Jake, number one through eight.
2: Um, you know what you said? Eighty nine. That always makes me think of my favorite IU basketball team and their best player was Jay Edwards. Number three. Gosh, I always go number three that's for Jay. Edwards. work. Chris, excuse me.
1: Chris, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys?
2: Chris, how you doing? Good, man. Just got off work nice Chris uh is this forklift Chris forklift chris yes sir so Chris you get out what time do you go into work That's a pretty cool like nickname 11 11 p.m so 11 to nine is that your shift yeah, it's anywhere from 11 to eight 11 to 10 what, what time is lunch
5: uh just, I never really take one just go to the bathroom and I, I can't I can't eat and sit down on a forklift and my stomach be killing me all night so I pass.
1: <laughs> and then what time do you go to bed
4: uh, about three, sleeping about
5: uh, three to ten.
1: Okay. Well, I think when you wake up, Indiana might just be tipping off if you're an IU fan.
5: Yeah, I will probably miss some of it.
2: No, wait, how long have you been doing this schedule? Uh, been, been there a couple of years. So, I mean, are you well, totally used to it by now, or is it like on your days off? Is it an adjustment, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera?
5: Oh, it's adjustment. Come Monday night, when I go back into work, I, it, it's definitely an adjustment. So, God, I can imagine. Yeah, right. hard, hard to sleep during the day.
1: Chris, I think this quiz is pretty doable. Um, so, good luck. Happy St. Patrick's Day and good luck on it.
2: You too. Thank you. Would Jake. you like for me, that would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off?
4: I'll go with Kevin. No
2: offense, Jake. None taken.
1: All right, uh, Chris, number one. Which team won yesterday in the first round of the NCAA tournament that has never lost an opening round game? Missouri, Duke, Auburn, or Maryland? I'm go with
3: kind of an intense Maryland.
5: coach.
2: Intense coach. You uh, go Maryland.
1: It's been known to have a shirt off in the Tennessee student section before. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, question number two, including Gardner Minshew. Can you name the other two quarterbacks currently on the Indianapolis Colts
4: roster? Uh, the Ellinger.
2: The, guy is a, the other guy is a statue, right? That's right. The other guy ran a play called the Philly Special, helped the Eagles win a Super Bowl. Nick Foles. Okay.
1: All right, Chris, number three which team that lost yesterday has never won an opening round game? Boise State, Utah State, West Virginia, or Oral Roberts?
5: Uh, I got Oral Roberts.
2: Okay. Uh, Chris, who is the all time leading scorer for a career NCAA tournament games. So basically the all-time cumulative leading scorer in NCAA tournament history. Is it Lou Alcindor of UCLA, Austin Carr of Notre Dame, Christian Leitner of Duke, or Stacy Augment of UNLV? We're going to go with Leitner. Okay. All right. And, a raun-
1: and to round it out, Chris, the Pacers won last night in Milwaukee. Who led them in scoring? Is it a, uh, Andrew Nemhard, B, O'Shea Brissett, C, Miles Turner, or D, Jalen Smith?
5: Uh, ne- uh, Nemhard.
1: Strong close there by Chris.
2: Thanks. Indeed, a strong close. Chris
1: seems like a polite fellow. He said thank you after that. That was, that was very
2: <laughs> nice of him. Uh, all right, Chris, let's see how you did. You knew that, yes, in fact, Sam Ellinger and Nick Foles will be in the quarterback that room along with correct. Gardner Minshew. Seeing which. One of them wants to take the bet that he can throw a football over the mountains.
1: Yeah, he was right on the last two. Nemhard the leading scorer. Let's Christian Leitner, the all-time cumulative scoring leader in NTT yeah! history. Jake, the two slip-ups, though, were the Auburn Tigers. They have never lost that's an opening round game. And the team that's never won an opening round game. Or oh, Roberts made the Sweet 16 a couple years ago. Boise
2: so, State. Yeah, West Virginia gave you a, a here. Uh, Thanks, Chris. Stand the line. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is that for Princeton? Princeton Tiger there? Auburn. Oh, Auburn, Auburn Tiger? Come on, guys. Auburn, by the way, came here in 1987 at the RCA Dome, won the opening round, second round. Uh, I believe was leading Indiana at the half. Keith Smart had 15 assists in that game. Indiana went on to win 107-90 to 90 in the second round of 1987.
1: What kind of a wild stat I saw watching the games yesterday. If you combine the losses from the four number one seeds and the four number 12 seeds, the 12 seeds have just one more
2: loss than the one seed. Really? Well, I mean, Kansas has lost. Kansas has seven, I think. Purdue's got, what, five or six?
1: Purdue's got five. Alabama's got five. Houston is three. Now, it should be noted, both 12 seeds lost yesterday. That would be Oral Roberts to Duke. They got smoked. And then College of Charleston and just a an horrific beat for Kevin Bowen. Cinderella bet. Uh, they lose to San Diego State. Uh, are we taking any 12s today? Are we taking VCU? Are we taking Drake?
2: Well, there's always one that does it, right? I've got both of them winning.
1: If you're an IU fan, are you glad that a 13 seed won yesterday? Does that mean that that'll be the only one?
2: Yeah, you want to get that out of the way, right?
1: A couple years ago, we had two. Uh, North Texas over Purdue was one of them right here. That was also the COVID tournament. Boy,
2: North Texas, yeah. I went to the North Texas-Villanova game. I think I told you, Kevin, that was the game that I went to, North Texas and Villanova at Gamebridge Fieldhouse during the COVID tournament. And they only allowed in like 500 people or something. And there were a bunch of Villanova fans at the game. You could only sit on one side of the arena. And there were a bunch of fans for Villanova behind the Villanova bench. And you could hear everything. You could hear Jay Wright coaching his team because it was, you know, there was nobody in the place. And with about two minutes to go in the game, it's like a 20 point game. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And uh, all these people started moving. And then it dawned on me that the Villanova fans realized that the kids from North Texas didn't have many fans there, so at the end of the game, they got up and moved over and sat behind the North Texas bench to be able to give them a hand when they came out of the game.
0: Wow.
1: That's like third grade classy right Totally.
2: There. Jay Wright, I've got, the, I've got all the respect in the world for Jay Wright and Villanova and the way that they did everything.
1: Villanova probably was a Sweet 16 that year. They played at Hinkle. And Maddie and I took Rosie over to Butler's campus, and you know we just had lunch over there. And it was a beautiful day. I'll never forget it. A bunch of Villanova fans walking around campus—they would never been to Hinkle. They were like in awe. Is that crazy? Yeah.
2: Which is just—I remember the tournament. It was like cool to see, you know, the final people. four one year. All these people were coming. You know, when Butler really—it was the year Butler was in the final four here—and the fans that were coming and everybody like had to go to Hinkle. It became this like instant basketball cathedral. Yeah. Well, Ryan Robertson was my buddy that. I didn't even know you could go to games at Gamers that year. And he's like, hey, man, I've got an extra ticket. Do you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Nick Sirianni said that to us, right? The one regret
1: he had living here in Indy for those years was not going to a game at Hinkle.
2: Yeah. And that's coming from a guy that had chances to go to games at the Palestra, which is equally cool.
1: All right, we'll round it out one final time here. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody.
0: listening to Kevin and on 93.5 to me, and like a to me. I fan. got to look up the tree. Who else in the climb, say yeah. Yeah! yeah?
1: Oh, beautiful work by Mark Dykton. As he heads down to just a little bit south of Tampa, is that correct, Mark? Yep,
3: yep. we well, are going to see my uh, mother-in-law and sister-in-law down in Northport, Florida for a couple days. And then we're doing the Disney Experience uh, oh, next boy. week. I know. I
1: will. Uh, any, if anybody believes in prayer out there, put Mark Dykman down in the. As list. long
3: as they got some jalapeno pretzels. How
1: many How many buckies do
3: they have on the drive down? Well, sir, I believe there's at least
2: three. <laughs> now,
1: how great would that be? If you're like, well, seven. The first one is in Richmond, Kentucky. The next one's <laughs> yeah.
2: Valdosta, Georgia. Exit forty-six. How, how many stops? At, uh, if there are three buckies during the drive, mm-hmm. you will stop at how many of the three? Uh, well, they're e-
3: they're each a good distance from each other, so I mean, you always do bathroom checks and all that. I'd say we're stopping at least two. God, the girls have to love Bucky. Oh, they do.
2: Have yeah, you been mascot. to one, Kevin? No. Uh, it, it is like Disney World.
1: <laughs> Again, the closest is Richmond, Kentucky. Is that correct? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be the one, probably the first rest stop we make, unless do someone
2: needs an unexpected <laughs> detour. Do you think there's anyone? Probably a good bet on that, Mark, from the Indianapolis area or equivalent distance thereof. Who has ever done a, a day trip just to go to Buckingham? Yes, yeah, I bet it.
3: Yeah, I think
1: we're especially
2: because of this
3: show. I think we're looking at him. Like, what's the big deal with this place? <laughs>
2: I think we're looking at him. I think he's the one. It's and only the banana pudding. That's what it is. Right? I've never had the banana pudding. The yet. banana bread pudding. Oh man, yeah. What about uh, the rattlesnake jerky? I haven't had that yet either. I'm going to have to make a list. Are you sure you've been to Bucky?
3: I have. You get lost in that? Are you kidding? God, that's blasphemy. There's just so many good things. You get lost in the... Put that accusation on Mark that he hasn't... (laughs) I'll walk out right now.
1: Been there. Again, 6.50 tonight. Purdue and Fairleigh Dickinson. 22.5 point favorites. Indiana, 4.5 over Kent State. Jake, any concern you have for Indiana tonight?
2: Yeah, I think there's always concern. Kent State's guard play, if they're able to take Indiana... I I think Indiana's going to be able to get what they want out of Trace Jackson Davis, but... If if Kent State's guards are able to kind of dictate the pace and put some pressure on Indiana in the backcourt, it could be a long night for Indiana. The better question would be this: When we reconvene on Monday, will both Indiana and yeah, Purdue be alive? That's a, that's a good question.
1: You know, Purdue second round matchup: Memphis and Florida Atlantic. Both of those teams, I think, would can provide great challenges for Purdue, and just they're unique. Memphis gets up and down the floor; they score at a high rate. Not a great defensive team. A great guard in Kendrick Davis. Florida Atlantic, we've talked about it. Dusty May's team, 131 games, and they've got, like, you know, this year in the Big Ten, you didn't have a Kofi Coburn or a Luka Garza. Obviously, Trey Jackson Davis is a great big guy, but from a pure height standpoint, Zach Eady hasn't seen 7'1", 240. Granted, that guy hasn't seen Zach Eady, so uh, I'd be really curious to see how he
2: reacts to that. I do think that Eady's footwork can make – matchups challenging for somebody who's that big because I'm guessing somebody seven foot hasn't necessarily had to contend with the fleet of foot nature around the rim of Zach Edie, you know what I mean
1: again USC Michigan State will begin things at twelve fifteen
2: today I've got a
1: buddy in Vegas right now for the first rounds of the tournament would that ever
2: entice you yeah I, I always thought I'm not a Vegas guy but that, I mean, that would be. I thought about that last night, actually, because just you know, all the games going on, all the screens, and you got people living and dying, and you could. I always thought it'd be fun to just go and say, you know what, I'm going to literally take three hundred and fifty bucks and put down ten dollars on every first round game, and just see where the chips fall on, on what happens on. How much you could win. I, you know, do you come out ahead? Would it it's be too much? Though. I, I, yeah, I think it could be not, too much. Not your bet, but... Anyways. No, no, no. Just sensory overload and everything. Right. I I, think, I do think you'd get pretty worn out after a while, yeah. You'd have to pace yourself. If you're like... I mean, if you're drinking and and eating appetizers and stuff the whole time, it'd be some long days, First man.
1: game's 9-15. Local time, right? Yeah. 12-15 here? Yeah. So yeah, Michigan State, USC will get things underway. Xavier,
2: Kennesaw State... To follow. The follow. The thing that's always hard is after these first two days, then like on Sunday, you're expecting game after game after game, and you're like, wait, but what happened? Where, where are all the games? Like, well, oh, that's right. There's you know, not I, as I, many of them.
1: I mentioned this a couple times just for IU and Purdue fans looking ahead to Sunday, and I guess I'll throw it out there today, or uh, again. Jake, these are the eight tip times for Sunday. So Purdue or Indiana, if they win, they would be slotted into one of these eight. <coughs> Noon. 2.30, 5, 6, 7, 7.30, 8.30, 30. So, we only get two games until 5 o'clock. That's a far cry from what we get right. on Thursday and right. Friday. So, it's... if you're Purdue and Indiana fans looking ahead to, to Sunday, probably mark off a little bit more of your evening than anything.
3: Where were you guys uh, five years ago today? Kevin, did you break any stories five years ago today?
1: Five years ago today... Gosh, I. I and say tournament related, Colts related? Colts related.
2: Five years ago today, St. Mm-hmm. Patrick's Day of. Trade back with the Jets? 18. Is that the anniversary?
4: Yep. Yeah. The Sam I was, Darnold. Trade. Yeah.
1: Actually, I, I know exactly where I was. I was at um my wife's friend, Eileen Kenny's house. We we're getting ready to go out for a drink for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Yeah, they traded back from
3: three to six, right, with the Jets. Yep, end up selecting Quentin Nelson.
1: Again, I'm with Rick Venturi. Trade up to three. Be the one fielding the calls. Can always trade back again. I think a big thing with that is Jake. Over the next couple of weeks, that is when teams will complete their personality profiles on these quarterbacks. So what you're doing by trading up is you're getting ahead of in case either you fall in love with somebody even more, or another team does. Because let's say the Titans go to Anthony Richardson's private workout or they go and visit him in Florida and they fall in love. Well, now they're going to want to trade up. But if you're in the position of three, now you feel the calls. You are at the first breaking point of the draft.
2: But what if you feel like Richardson and Levis are boardwalk and park place?
1: If they're that even, that would be, I guess, the one area where it would probably not be worth it to move up.
2: Because right now, I feel like that's where they feel they are. Yeah, I just...
1: Maybe take Will Anderson then. Do you find a team that is defensive hungry? Do they look at Will Anderson and say, hey, this is the best edge rusher in the class. This is a guy that's going to be a 10 sack guy for the next decade. Um, I'm going to come straighten up for you.
2: Kevin, the one thing that I think hurts them a little bit, and you, you mentioned this at the Combine, it's a good point, point. and that is what we do know now is it's not like there's a team that's going to trade up into three to get Jalen Carter, right? Yeah, the Jalen Carter fall is not good for the Colts. Where do you think he at this point? And for those that don't know, Jalen Carter, the um, you know thought by everybody to be the best talent in this draft out of Georgia, the defensive player who had the issues off field, and then in addition to that, apparently had a disastrous pro day. How far do you think that that he falls? Boy, middle around one. Warren Sapp. Is that too far? No, that's. I mean, that's basically what happened to Warren Sapp, right? Warren yeah. Sapp fell, and you know, Randy Moss as well. Everybody was going to be the, the. You know, they they showed all their scruples because they had to hold on and you know hold it off. And, okay, but look what happened, right?
1: Yeah, I just look at it. I can't see like Levis and Richardson both being even. I think there's got to be separation at some level in these prospects. And a lot, a large part of that separation is, again, from the head up. And that's why I think Will Levis does check an important box for the Colts.
2: Yeah. I- I'm telling you. I, I think Ballard is conservative anyway. I don't blame him. And I think he's looking at it going, hey, you know what? I'll let everybody else mortgage, and I'm just going to sit where I am. I Gosh. could be totally wrong in that.
1: I mean, the whole not blaming him. I mean, what, what, his, his patience worked in the first six years?
2: I, no argument there. But uh, he's got a clean slate, and he's got all the time in the world. So
1: We'll see if we see any other veteran cuts. Again, about $2 million they could save if they cut Nick Foles, Ryan Kelly's. That would
2: have to be done by when.
1: North of eight. I don't think there's any big dates due on Nick Foles. I'd have to double check that, but I don't think there's anything too big on that front. Like there was with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's deadline was today. Uh, Yeah, we'll see about Nick Foles. We'll see about Kenny Moore, Ryan Kelly. I still think O line, corner, wide out, big big needs. Mark, safe travels, man. Thank you very much. Enjoy. Guys, good luck on that car ride and good luck at Disney. (laughs) Well, okay.
2: Or are you gonna check in with us each morning at I about six? I might have to. Is
1: that am I seeing clear skies by Riley Towers, or is that? Yeah, I'm starting to see it. Wishful
2: thinking. I uh, I hope so, man. Again, no rain, I guess, but definitely chilly
1: weather for the Saint Patrick's Day. Everybody, be safe. Enjoy the games tonight. We will recap all of the
2: madness coming up on Monday. Everybody, have a great weekend.